Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Guys, this is Dane, your host of of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and you know it just sucks because not a lot has happened um, in the last week of wrestling, especially since we're recording on a Saturday. Last night, nothing really happened. It's just some boring weekend. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do for you guys as far as the show, but uh, maybe you know, maybe we'll drop a pipe bomb at some point. But uh, until we get to that. Chris, do you agree? There's just not a lot going on in wrestling this week. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Not nothing at all. It's, it was actually a very boring week, especially considering we had two go home shows. And I don't know. AEW really didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Your week going, bud? Week's going good, man. Good work week. Good wrestling week, if you will. You know, and uh, obviously I was joking. Um, like I, I said to you right before we went on air, I had a very hearty dinner, if you will, last night. I was I was exhausted by the time we get to the end of SmackDown. Not that the show wasn't good, but it was kind of just there, go-home show. Uh, but the exchange between John Cena and Roman Reigns at the end, good dinner. And what follows a good dinner is an incredible dessert. And I was at a fine dining restaurant because there was so much sugar in this shit. Uh, that the dessert that Rampage gave me last night, I was up until about midnight, 12:30. And for some of you younger cats, that might not sound that might sound like the start of party time because that used to be it for me. But uh, that's uh, that's pretty late for my old ass. I work at six o'clock in the morning in Norcross, which is an hour away from where I live. For all the people that don't know Georgia, so uh, yeah. But um, dude, I'm still I'm still feeling the high from last night. Just from a 20-minute fucking time period. Like, it's incredible. The electricity. I listened to a little bit of the media scrum afterwards with Punk and uh, Tony talking to people. I, I'm incredibly excited for this show. And we also, outside of that, get to cover... I mean, obviously, WrestleMania is WWE's biggest show. But coming back with an audience, the ramped-up SummerSlam of uh, what might be the ending chapter to NXT going into its new era, if you will. And, of course, we got to talk about Flair on trains and Suzuki coming to the uh, U.S. we got a big show, Chris. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm always excited to talk about Flair eating pussy and Minoru Suzuki whipping ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a good show. Oh, Lord, that's just great. Uh, well, let's talk about let's let's break into the news and we'll go over reviews or, or, or predictions and then we'll go over AEW. Got to save the best for last, guys. We definitely do. But um, if you want to just get to that, I mean, I'm insulted because we have a lot of great stuff to say, but it will be towards the end of the show. Um, but I think that the biggest thing to start off with news wise, maybe not the biggest thing, but definitely something that's cool. Last week, Ring of Honor, on their Twitter, 
asked the question, should we break down the forbidden door? And a unanimous amount of people chimed in saying, yes, obviously you should. They've made some interactions uh, here and there, but nothing, anything that substantial, if you will, compared to obviously AEW, Impact, AAA, NWA, and what they're all doing with each other, uh, thanks to AEW, I would say. But this followed and proceeded with lots of Ring of Honor people, including uh, uh, Brody King, uh, saying that they definitely should. Uh, he's good friends with Aleister Black, or I should say Malachi Black, Tommy End, whatever. Um, and also a nice little exchange between them boys and FTR that got heated when uh, the Briscoes made it, uh, put it upon themselves to put and cut a promo against all the motherfucking tag teams out there outside of Ring of Honor, saying they've already dominated most of Ring of Honor's tag teams to bring it on and basically call the tag teams in AEW a bunch of pussies. So, of course, Dax uh, had exception to this and some exchange back and forth. Friendly but fun, if you will. Um, kept on going back and forth between the Briscoes and FTR. And if this is the first start of it, with Ring of Honor trying to bring in themselves into the fold and joining the party. Holy shit, give me this tag team match. And it's already been the Briscoes. We talked about this. The, apparently, I, I don't think they're having the tournament, unfortunately, this year for NWA. But the Briscoes already have been a part of that. Man, even if you don't have it for the NWA tag team championships, Chris, do you want to see the, them boys go against FTR? In a brutal tag match? I do. I think that's the, one of the tag matches I, I would most love to see. Unless Motor City Machine Guns comes back or something. But yeah, hell yeah, I want to see that. Also, I really love Dan Housen saying he wants to take on the, the legendary Ric Flair Housen. <laughs> was pretty great. There was some good exchanges, but yeah. It's cool that Ring of Honor is actually out there talking about this. Because we've been, me and you personally have been talking about this for a few months of what ring of honor is going to do because i mean if you think about it they kind of helped launch AEW with that pay-per-view because they they did all the booking of the venue and uh the pay-per-view setup and all that stuff and then they they've i don't want to say they were forgotten about but seemingly forgotten about at least by AEW when this forbidden door shit happened so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. There's a lot, like I said, there was a ton of funny tweets by all the wrestlers, and and the standout to me was Danhausen and as like you said, um, Dim Boys, cutting promos on basically the entire tag team world. And uh, Danhausen also just to let you guys know, apologized last night for uh, <laughs> I can't even do this with a straight face. I love Danhausen so much. He's so dialed into his character, but. He, uh, he was thinking that he might have broke Pro Wrestling Tees last night uh, by the sales of his T-shirts, so he apologized to everyone online. <laughs> Chris, I mean, seriously, as far as a comedic character who actually can go in the ring, that's why Ring of Honor has him, and if you watch his wrestling matches, yeah, there's might be those silly... He's a good submission wrestler, he's a good high flyer, but my God, that was great. I laughed my ass off when I saw that last night. Yeah, that was funny when you, you sent me that tweet. I was laughing pretty damn hard. Um, yeah, the, thing, the cool thing about Danhausen is I don't know that I've ever seen 
an indie wrestler get as over with casual fans as he has? Because, I mean, he's pretty well known on Twitter and like people talk about him that aren't necessarily in the Ring of Honor. He's he's done a great job with that character. And like you said, he can definitely go in the ring. And uh, I don't know, man, I, I would like to see Danhausen versus like a Sammy Guevara. That'd be really fun. Or his good buddy, OC, uh, Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, just for some ridiculousness. But I mean, if, if a guy and I, I will put him over for this, man, this is not an episode about Danhausen. But if you can get where Renee uh, Parquette loves you, Renee, the former Renee Young, Loves you so much that she does an interview, and then while she's obviously being a mama, allows you to take over a couple days of interviewing for her. And on the flip side of it, even though he admits that he doesn't want to see matches to make him dislike the person, you pop Jim Cornette, and he loves every every single interview and, and little thing that you do in the wrestling industry around everything. I think you're doing a good job as a wrestler. <laughs> I like that there for a while people were just buying Jim Cornette cameos from Danhausen. That was some of the best stuff that's been on this show. James E. Cornett, I believe, is your name. And I've never heard of him. James E. Cornett. <laughs> when he starts to putting teeth in people's mouth because it's not illegal because they already have teeth, I fucking lost my shit, dude. <laughs> or the tequila dance, man. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Spicy. Uh, what 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 a sm- smart concept, man! I love to talk to him about horror movies because I know he's obsessed with them. Yeah, he would just be a great guy. It seems like he would be a great guy to interview or talk to in general, whether in or out of character. He just seems like a really cool dude. Yeah, but uh, getting it back to it, Ring of Honor. Yeah, you definitely should. Uh, you guys have the potential to be able to. I mean, last night. Obviously, I mean, this is kind of the biggest in Spectrum, but you had a guy that you guys started off that basically claimed that when he left your organization, it was one of the hardest things to do in his career. You got Brian Danielson coming back. You have Bobby Fish, obviously, that's going to be on the market soon. There's a lot of people that even if they don't go directly to Ring of Honor, have history with Ring of Honor, much like how Kazarian is going back to Impact, Christian, etc., it can only benefit you, man. And Tony is willing to put out that hand. And for one company, I think deserves it. Much like New Japan is Ring of Honor from everything that you said. Uh, they were a part of that whole entire climbing to AEW. It would be nice to see certain wrestlers be able to make an appearance. And we'll be talking about a huge wrestler coming back to an organization, you know, very small with Ric Flair and NWA in a little while. Um, I definitely want to see Ring of Honor. Do some crossover stuff. With all this crossover stuff, Chris, like the pay-per-views we're going to talk about from last weekend with New Japan Resurgence and Triple Mania, I love that I'm getting – it's like all of them are connecting in some way. And it's a lot of fun for a wrestling fan outside of WWE to see basically – and I've said this before, AEW kind of being the the – not the real NWA, but kind of that company, the big company, and helping all the territories – kind of work cohesively together I, I love this trading off talent working together some people don't get it but i just think that it's it's prospering the industry and helping aw actually just climb and being that badass company uh, outside of the wwe any closing statements about that 
No, I completely agree with you. And it, it, by no means is it hurting AEW to have some of these guys going to different companies. So I, I hope they continue that forward. Just Ring of Honor to me is like the missing link. Like there's so many great matches they could be there if they want them to be. It, it just got to make sense. I mean, like I said, don't put the shit on YouTube because then I probably won't ever see it. But if you want to bring people over to Ring of Honor or if you want to do the actual you know, put them on Rampage or do something fun like that. I'm totally down. I'm loving the trading of talent. And I think, you know, equating it back to almost NWA, uh, traditional NWA is a good way to look at it, especially with Ken, uh, Kenny traveling with that title. Absolutely. Um, and if I can get like the, and he did it recently at a pay-per-view, I think in Alaska, but if I can get, you know, maybe Black Machismo on NWA, even that would be a lot of fun you know i mean there's so many different things that you can do within the industry outside of wwe and while wwe becomes more closed i'm glad that the doors outside of it are becoming more open yeah agree with you 100 percent. also yes we always need more jay lethal jay lethal should be everywhere let's, absolutely let's, let's clone him and put him in <laughs> every company yeah i i i think so ma'am um, well, let's kind of continue with that. So we got some Ric Flair news. I mean, we'll talk about the first thing. <laughs> we'll talk about the first thing that happened last Saturday, Triple Mania. Uh, we had our match between El Idolo, uh, Andrade, formerly Andrade Cien Almos, uh, Le Sombra, however you want to call him, going against Kenny Omega for the Mega Championship. Probably, I'm assuming people were kind of confused if they tuned in on seeing Conan in Kenny's uh, corner as opposed to, obviously, um, Don Callis. The reason why is because Conan is your authority figure in AAA and kind of flipped on the crowd, I believe, about a year ago. So he's the heel promoter. That's his whole persona. And that's why he got Kenny to come in to take care of this outsider from Mexico, Andrade, who built his career in their competition, CMLL, uh, as El Sombra beforehand. And when coming over, you know, he was the outsider that Conan took the big star that he got the belt on with Kenny to go against. And it was great. Kenny came out first, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Not expecting... Andrade, who was there with also his fiance Charlotte, everyone's why was Charlotte there? Uh, I don't know. She's gonna get married to the fucking guy. She probably wants to be there for her her man. Stupid concept. Um, but also his future father-in-law, the amazing Nature Boy Ric Flair. And it wasn't like the, the reaction last night, but my God, Ric Flair, well received in Mexico. I forgot the name of the uh, Spanish announce. An announcer that's that's for AAA that used to work for WWE, but I think it's Al, uh, Albo Prajantes or Alberto Prajantes. I don't remember. He was the one basically when the Spanish announce table got destroyed. He would take a bump even if he didn't get anywhere near him. He was that committed to his role, and uh, he went fucking crazy. The audience went crazy, and it was a fun match between the two of them. I thought the guys put on an awesome match. I love that. You know, Conan kind of was like, hey, do you mind doing that chop thing? And that kind of turned into the four of them talking about, well, why don't we do a spot where ref gets taken out? And obviously at there, they have like the heel referees. So that's kind of played 
AEW should take a note on this a little bit. That's kind of played throughout the reasoning of what's of what happens. Uh, the heel referee was obviously kind of paid off by Conan to try to make sure Kenny won. Flair didn't like that. There was a bump, and you had Ric Flair getting the figure four on Conan, which was awesome, while Andrade did it to Kenny Omega. I love the the chop off. I love the stare down between Kenny and Rick because even though there's a shitload of differences, there are, at least from where Kenny is positioned now, kind of like what you said as a traveling champion, similarities. Um, and it was just a lot of fun, man, seeing Ric Flair just enter back into wrestling, just give a lot of praise towards AAA and saying he had so much fun doing that. Uh, Conan was, of course, happy because Rick actually – paid for a charter plane and did this for no money from what for at least from what uh conan said which is awesome he did it for andrade uh which is cool and then afterwards you know it's it's, it seems like rick flair is now we'll talk about the uh, 74th anniversary with nwa and him coming to that he's now getting to get in touch more with the wrestling outside of wwe you know he praised mjf and chris jericho on their match on wednesday uh I love seeing the Nature Boy show up on Triple Mania. That was out of nowhere. It was it was awesome. All the interactions were great. Uh, I loved it. And uh, the weird thing, Andrade ended up losing because of some bullshit. And it was explained, Chris. I don't know if you heard this. Kenny, when he found out Flair was going to be there, he went to Conan and he was like, "Look, I've already lost the Impact Championship." That in the storyline is taking a chip off of me. Why don't we give Andrade the mega championship to continue that storyline? And Conan was apparently, I, I, Conan didn't explain this, but I forgot where I found the information. It might have been Dave, it might have been someone else, might have been Wrestling Inc., where essentially Conan had to turn that down because Andrade is not a full time AAA wrestler. And the person that essentially they want to drop the mega championship to is their two biggest wrestlers in the company that haven't gotten it. Remember, Ray Phoenix is the one who lost to Kenny, so he's already had it. So it's it's either Psycho Clown or Pentagon that will be probably taking that title off Kenny in the future. And this is the reason why AAA kind of stays to themselves in their own little universe, kind of like Lucha Underground, but obviously it's AAA wrestling, where they don't talk about it on the other programs. It kind of just happens. But either way, the whole entire gist of it, Everything that happened, the match itself, Ric Flair being in Mexico, that was a lot of fun, Chris. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I I, I was blown away. I didn't think Ric Flair was going to show up there. I mean, we kind of joked about it like it would be really cool if he became Andrade's manager. And even if it's just for one night, it was really, really fun to see that crowd's reaction to Ric Flair. I liked the way the match was structured. I'm not going to say it's like the greatest match I've ever seen or anything, but with the involvement of Conan and Ric Flair, that's going to take away from some of the in-ring because, I mean, it basically just became a clusterfuck uh, as far as as a traditional wrestling match goes. But, I mean, it was really great to see Ric Flair and Andrade both put on figure fours. You know, it was just a really, really fun time of seeing Ric Flair as opposed to my previous memory of him doing anything in wrestling, which is uh, with Lacey Evans' baby daddy prior to this. Uh, so if you look at it from that standpoint, this is how you should be using Ric Flair. Treat a legend like a legend. Put him with someone you want to get over. Uh, as far as Kenny not losing the title, me and you both predicted that he might lose here. I mean, he, I think even months ago, I made that prediction even before 
um, before this match was official. I mean, Andrade obviously had called Kenny out. I was surprised by that, but at the same time, I did not know that Andrade didn't have a full-time contract with AAA because that's how it originally sounded when he was announced for Triple Mania. So if he's not a full-time person, I think it does make a lot of sense to drop the title to like Psycho Clown. I think he's well-deserving. He's probably the most over person as far as that audience goes. So I have absolutely no problem with, with Kenny not dropping the title then and there. And that makes a lot of sense for Conan, especially if Andrade is not going to be doing a ton of dates because you're going to end up with the same results. You know, if Andrade has it or Kenny has it, if they're both going to be working in AEW. So the idea to me would be uh, definitely dropping it to someone that is a full-time triple a guy and then hopefully that guy can still go to AEW and do some stuff there to help promote triple a in the united states but just very very cool i i liked most of this show in general um triple mania there was some other good shit on it but this definitely was was the icing on the cake so to speak and it really fun match i think andrade and kenny worked their ass off if you don't like interferences and stuff um it, and you're not a big flair fan this might not be <laughs> the match for you but uh if you like rick flair and you want to see cool rick flair shit and a, a good match between andrade and uh omega i definitely recommend checking this one out i had a lot of fun with this and and also rick flair like you said coming back to nwa that's amazing it's i made this joke yesterday kind of half-assed joking with my friend i was like so if cena wins <laughs> tomorrow or whenever SummerSlam is, right? If he wins, does that mean that Billy Corgan's going to be like, nah, fuck y'all, and just let, <laughs> let Flair win the title? Because that would be hilarious. Well, let, let's be honest here. And they posted all the uh, the championships on WWE uh, of who's had the most. And, of course, Flair and John Cena are tied. Look, just, be, just like Charlotte just doesn't get to include her NXT championships – just because WWE won't acknowledge some of the championships that Ric Flair won in Puerto Rico and stuff like that, and is almost up to 19 technically, uh, doesn't mean that really John Cena will beat his record if he does take the title off the Tribal Chief, which he shouldn't tonight on SummerSlam. Well, to be fair to John Cena, didn't he have the OVW title at one point in time, even prior to WWE? I mean, he's had, I'm sure he's had titles in, in other places as well, is, is what I was getting at. But, you know, as far yeah. as primary championships, and the lineage is really tied to the NWA title anyways, as far as Ric Flair goes. Because you're tracing that from NWA to WCW, not necessarily WWF, even though that's how they uh, have handled it in the past. I, I'm just, I was just, like I said, it was more just half-ass joking around, but like if Cena ends up winning somehow... It would be hilarious if they use Ric Flair as a transitional champion in NWA because I do think the the Aldis, while he's done a great job with the title, it has gotten a bit stale. I just don't know who you would get to take it off of him right now. So someone like Ric Flair winning uh, by cheating his ass off <laughs> to tie the John Cena <laughs> title mark would be be very hilarious. So Billy Corgan, if you're out there listening, Cena goes over. Maybe you put put your boy Ric Flair over. It'd be uh, it'd be great, but yeah, like I said, I don't think that's gonna happen. Just fun to talk about. Absolutely, it's always fun to conjecture about different things like that. Um, yeah, and uh, before we kind of go into the NWA 74, uh, there was one more incident with Ric Flair this week. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> Look, man, so if, it's out here being Ric Flair. <laughs> he's finally back 
his old self again. So, so uh, I think it was Tuesday. Ric Flair was trending on Twitter, and I was like, I hope it's nothing, you know, health-wise, obviously. But I was thinking mainly, okay, he signed AEW, or it was going to be an announcement that happened actually the next day with NWA 73. Um, no, not so much. And the picture that I saw was a uh, gentleman um, uh, doing his thing with a female. Uh, you could only see the back of their head, and uh, definitely blonde hair. Looked very similar, I would say, to Ric Flair. Uh, but on a train, um, yeah. And uh, it was thought to be Ric Flair. So TMZ shouted out to him. He denied it. And then he put a post online that only Ric Flair could, where Ric Flair had a cartoon locomotion with, you know, old school Ric Flair wooing off of it coming out of the window. And it's saying there, this picture of me is about as real as the one on that train. Two things. I believe this is what he said. Two things. I do not ride on trains. And I do not eat on trains. Woo. So uh, that was a player's response to it. I will take it or leave it. I think the only thing that this, you know, he's married again. My God. I don't know if he finally just, you know, knew how to sign a fucking prenup. But uh, Fifi the made a, I, I apologize. I forgot what her actual name is. If that wasn't her, and that was Ric Flair in actuality, sure, a, a lot of stuff's about to... Uh, unfold but uh apparently it wasn't him just someone that had similar hair to him but uh regardless i mean to add to the mythos of rick flair chris yeah i'm surprised he didn't just roll with it just because that's rick flair right um <laughs> like i said rick flair's just out here living his best life when i saw that on twitter i immediately sent it to you because I, I went through the same thought process of okay what's wrong with rick flair or what's going on with rick flair did he sign to aw um this is much more fun to talk about than like a year or two years ago where we didn't even know if Ric Flair was going to live. So to see Ric Flair in the ring with Andrade, to hear that he's coming back to NWO for their 74th anniversary, to have people thinking <laughs> he's out here living his best life on trains. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a better place to be than what we've had with Ric Flair in the past few years. So it's good for Rick. I'm very excited to see what they do at NWA. And uh, whoever posted that photo and claimed it was Ric Flair, if it wasn't Ric Flair, I think it would be very obvious if it was Ric Flair. Uh, was It was incredible, at least for the uh, another person tweeted. It was really funny. I have to give them a shout out on this. They were like, it wasn't Ric Flair. It was Gangrel. I almost died. <laughs> well, we did see a bloodbath last night on uh, SmackDown, so... God damn. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ric Flair being Ric Flair. Even if it wasn't, it just adds to that mystique. But uh, yeah, let's talk about NWA uh, 73. I got details. This is really big, guys. Not just because Ric Flair's coming back. I mean, for wrestling fans that don't know, and I, I don't expect everyone to know, I, I love learning about the history and going backwards as much as I do living and, and going forwards, but St. Louis and the chase uh, ballroom is so integral to the history of professional wrestling from back in, I believe the fifties and the sixties mainly 
Um, some of the biggest, you know, this was Madison Square Garden was a different beast, but this was also a place where you would go and you would wrestle, you know, Buddy Rogers to Luthez to all the big names back in the day went to St. Louis and they're doing this that they're doing basically next weekend. They're doing empowered, which is the all women pay-per-view. And then they're going and doing this the next night with their 73rd anniversary. We already talked about how, you know, them at the, 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 the chase park Plaza ballroom is, is significant because of the history, but how Ric Flair is coming back. This is the first time he's been back in that location. This is a huge deal for NWA. This is a huge deal for Billy Corgan. And they have some matches together. I think the the I, I, I feel like people are going to be more excited about the St. Louis show, uh, at least the matches for Empower, and them being there because they're not coming back to Georgia for a second. They're going to do a couple shows at there. And they did a press conference. They said that they want to make St. Louis a part of their, you know, where they travel to to record a couple shows. And they're trying to go back to those old school significant mar- uh, markets and also those smaller uh, venues that used to hold all the big wrestling events back in the day in the 50s and 60s. So I would assume Chicago would be there, San Francisco, for the obvious reasons in the future. They haven't confirmed that, but. I think this is awesome. Uh, if you really research St. Louis wrestling and, you know, the, the the organizations and the wrestlers that came through there, this is pretty big. Um, I, I The main match is Nick Aldis versus Trevor Murdoch for the NWA World Championship. He got fucked over the first time. Nick beat him the second time. Trevor's putting off or putting on uh, his career on the line. So after this, this rivalry is done, and either Trevor will be the new champion or he's actually retiring. Uh, Camille will be going against Layla Hirsch. That was already established. Mickey James against Kylie Ray. Um, the NWA National Championship with Chris Adonis uh, will be going against James Storm, who returned. Uh, they, you know, they have their tag match. Uh, pretty decent card and a big battle royal to start it off. But like I said, that match with Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch, is outshined by the fact that Ric Flair is going to be there. Cutting a promo, old school style, NWA set, and in one of the biggest wrestling cities of old that doesn't get that, you know, doesn't get that uh, gravitas like it once did. Chris, are you excited about this pay-per-view? I'll go over some of the Empower uh, matches next. I think this is a very good pay-per-view. It's exciting that uh, James Storm is back. I've been waiting for him to pop up somewhere for seemingly forever outside of that one small appearance he did in in Impact. So it's cool to have him back. Um, Nick Aldis versus Murdoch. They did the same angle with Tim Storm, didn't they? Isn't that why Tim Storm isn't wrestling anymore? That was the the storyline is if he lost, he he wouldn't wrestle again, at least in singles competition. I think so. Um, St. Louis, obviously, that's was Sam Mushnick's territory, right? Yep. So, I mean, a whole a, a hell of a lineage of wrestling. It makes a lot of sense for them to return here and uh, do this big show. It's going to be really cool to see, like I said, see, like you said, or not like I said, but like you said, to see Ric Flair in that environment and the way they have that stage set up. It, it's definitely going to be a nostalgia throwback to late seventies, early eighties, and mm-hmm. um, I'm a sucker for that shit. So. 
I definitely will be tuning into this. But even outside of that, like Mickey James versus Kylie Ray, I don't know that I've ever seen that match. That should be a really, really good match. Um, uh, Camille and Layla Hirsch, that should be really fun. There's some good matches on the card, even outside of Ric Flair. It's just, anytime you throw Ric Flair on anything like this, he's going to kind of cast a shadow over it. But the card itself is really, really good. So this should be it should be a great show. And basically the only I don't know if they messed up. Or I don't think they're having two matches, but I looked up in power and the matches they have. They have a bunch ready to set, uh, you know, announcements for still. But Camille versus Layla Hirsch is also listed on this. So I don't know how that works. If they're doing a best of three and these are the first two. I have no clue. That would be giving away too much uh, storyline for me. But Deanna Perrazzo for the Impact's Knockout Championship. And she screwed over Molina last night in a... Um, a mixed uh, tag match. Um, so Deanna Prazo is going against Molina. I got to say, man, and I mean, I watched her in NWA. I, I just feel like I didn't really, Molina never was, to me, a great wrestler, but it's like she got, you know, she still looks great, but she got a little bit older, but it's like she's able to pull off stuff. She did a, 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 the, the Muda lock and then somehow positioned it where she shifted her body so that her stomach was on the mat and she had them in the mood a lock inverted and it looked fucking just devastating uh, on the last impact. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Deanna Prazo and her and then the uh, NWA Women's Invitational Cup gauntlet, you know, including people like Lady Frost and uh, Dean Malenko's daughter, Debbie Malenko, um, Genocide, who's definitely popular right now within NWA, Kira Hogan, who just got signed to AEW from Impact. Chelsea Green, you know, not a lot has been said, but this should be a very, very uh, fun pay-per-view. Back-to-back badass pay-per-views in St. Louis with Ric Flair at the 73rd, uh, you know, it's it's going to be fun. Yeah, with Melina, I don't know, she's always shown that she can be a decent wrestler at times, but like much like you, I never, I think that she's looked better, I don't past three or four months than she has her entire career and that that's maybe my opinion but uh, yeah it's just it's no i agree it's great for the city of st louis if you're a wrestling fan there if you're an old school wrestling fan this is fucking awesome especially if you're not necessarily in tune with any of the main products um this would be like a really cool show one off to maybe take your kid to uh, if you're like i said if you're like an older wrestling fan that has fond memories of those days but just good, good shit. And uh, the only, the only sad thing about this thing, just means there's more fucking wrestling we have to cover. Jesus Christ, <laughs> we're gonna have to start doing like three episodes a week. I swear. Eventually, man. Holy shit. Let's do like a. Eventually, I feel like there's gonna be like a super show on TNT that AEW sponsors, where it's like just everyone comes in, you know, fucking some shit. Fuck. Uh, I don't even know, man. It's I, it's pretty crazy. I, yeah, I kind of almost wish they would do the thing that ESPN used to do in the 80s, where it's just clips from all the different <laughs> wrestling. Oh, that would that be way, awesome. That way we could just get like the best matches from each show in one controlled format. And I don't have to go to like 75 different websites and TV channels to uh, consume all of this. Now, I'm not complaining because this is a much better, much better place to be in than when just it was WWE as the only only show in town so this is a much better spot to be in as a wrestling fan absolutely 
I had a thought, and this will never happen, Chris. This is one of my ridiculous, not predictions, but just me putting out ridiculous fantasy booking uh, to really tie in. And I think Flair is going to be ending up at AEW. I think he's going to do a lot of stuff with a lot of different places. But wouldn't it be amazing if Ric Flair comes back and not necessarily makes the Heenan family per se, but decides that his last thing that he wants to do with his career is get a bunch of some of the best wrestlers in the world with the championship belts in all the different organizations and them holding it all at the same time under his guidance. Uh, you know, so whoever in AEW, maybe if you bring in Adam Cole there or if he decides to represent MJF, Andrade with Mexico, you know, maybe an Okada with New Japan. It's like, or Jay Lethal with people that it would make sense to hook in with Ric Flair. Maybe he just takes Nick Aldis's, you know, cause he's already been, he's done stuff with Magnus, but just something like that. Even if Ric Flair gets to represent different people and a couple of them have championship belts, if he does decide to go the manager route, I hope he goes full head first, much like Bobby Heenan did. But, I mean, he already went full head first on that train. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up Randy. It would be funny if that were to happen and all of a sudden somehow Charlotte's the champion, Randy's the champion, AJ's the other champion, and like all other Ric Flair people, you know. But, uh, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he did already. God damn it. Uh, woo! <laughs> um, no, I mean, I agree with you if he wants to go the, the manager route, but I mean, he, he wants an in-ring return. That interview he did with Sports Illustrated when he said he would never retire again. I think he really <sighs> wants last match. I don't know that I want that. I think it, if done properly, you could probably get away with it. It'd be okay. I think a setting like NWA is somewhere where that would work. Two people I'd be down with. Actually, I don't know about that one person. I know Steamboat still has it in him to be able to bring Ric Flair to a great 10-minute match. I would say Sting and AEW, but I just think that that would expose both of them terribly. But Ric Flair is still built. He's still working out, but he is fucking old. So that's the only issue <laughs> that I have that I'm sure you have and many else. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 72, so whatever you do, not that that's ever stopped wrestlers in the past <laughs> from wrestling. Um, so whatever they do, I mean, I, I like the idea of him being a, a, a traveling manager. It kind of harkens back to that time in WWF where you had so many managers and they were all by, like trying to get specific superstars and you get like a couple of champions underneath you as a manager, like with Jim Cornette and kind of miss elizabeth stealing macho man from the other managers like that's what it reminds me of especially with the amount of good managers we have in in aew and some of those little factions i think that would be absolutely awesome if i had to pick one person for him to go against right now that i think he would have a good match with it would either be um, robert from the rock and roll express if you wanted to do something NWA style because I think they could just do a very old school match, hit all of Ric Flair's. Ricky, you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ricky. Um, they could just do a very, very old school match and hit all of Flair's big spots, and and that would be it. Um, the other person I could think of, just because I know he would carry him to a great match, would be Kenny Omega. Yeah. So how you, how you 
get there. I don't. I don't know. Don't tell Cornette that you said that, man. Well, I mean, Kenny. <laughs> I don't. Jim Cornette should go back and, with an open mind. And He'll run. never get over it. He's been called out by Brian so many times. It's he's never going to get over the fucking shit that Kenny did at DDT. It's like that is the equivalent of of spot shows where you did a bunch of stupid comedic stuff that you talk about all the time. I, but that's here nor there. That's a conversation. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you, man. Kenny Omega. Yeah, uh, if you got in a situation, all right, Kenny. Now back as the babyface, maybe in the future, you know, whether he has a champion or not. It's going against Ric Flair and whoever. And if Ric Flair or if that person loses, then he gets five minutes in the or ten minutes in the ring with Flair and they actually turn into a decent match and it's fun, spectacle wise, go for it. It's fucking pro wrestling. Terry Funk was wrestling all the way until now that he can't, and Jerry Lawler is still having fucking wrestling matches. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, I mean, I think if it's done tastefully, I mean, even like Flair versus someone like Orange Cassidy, right? Like, there's some stuff you could do to make a tolerable match if it's booked well. Um, I don't know if I was someone like Kenny Omega, who doesn't want to try to have a great, I mean, who, if you're in like any, if you're one of the champions in any of these, any of these federations, wouldn't it be cool just to check off, put that on your checkbox as I had a match with Ric Flair? So I, yeah. I think I think someone will eventually pull the trigger on it, especially if he's serious about wanting to wrestle and he's not asking an astronomical amount of money to do so. Uh, but I think it makes the most sense for him to be a manager, like you were saying. And I mean, all signs to me point to Andrade. Right. Yep. Uh, Java Java's going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, Sorry. Java, Java works on the back there, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I think he's like he was. He's a. I don't. I don't know this for sure, but I know he was a road agent for Impact for a while. And I don't know if I. Th- I thought he moved over to AEW, but they have so many damn road agents at former wrestlers like Dean Malenko and Jerry Lynn, etc. Arn Tully. Uh, it's hard to keep up with who all is signed there, but. Yeah, I mean, one is Chavo Guerrero and one is Ric Flair. That's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's yep. all you say really but uh whatever rick does awesome shit and excited about next weekend with nwa we'll definitely be checking out those two shows and this next show to come if you guys want to uh you know if you guys have the past to be able to watch or if you have other capabilities uh nwa had a good 40 minute breakdown of all the feuds building up to this and a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, it didn't have any matches on it. It just was kind of like one of their old presentations. So I would definitely recommend. They actually might have it on their YouTube station just because it was more of a package um, style thing. But uh, just watch it. You'll learn a lot about the history and and, and uh, everything else going into it. So excited about that. Any last comments before we move on? No, I just just overall excitement and that video package was very very good so i would you know if you get like i think you're probably going to be able to find it on daily motion or youtube like you were saying i definitely recommend everyone go check that out all right let's talk let's go to uh not japan but japan's event we're not going to go over the whole thing but we talked about it last week resurgence was last week this is going on the same time triple mania and had some interaction with what was going on in AEW just in general I want to talk about the main things, and then we'll talk about the main event itself. 
Um, all right, so Juice Robinson wins, uh, went against Hikaleo. Hikaleo was humongous. They had a good match. Um, it would follow by uh, Juice actually getting taken out this last week on Impact uh, in the back because that always happens. And David Finley wanted to know what the hell happened. So we'll see where that goes. Actually, let's let's pause for this match because honestly, this could have been match of the night. There might have been more technicality in White versus Finley. There might have been more, I don't know, uh, oomph going into the main event with Tanahashi and Archer. But we talked about it. Tomohiro Ishii and Moose. And yes, Moose lost, and he's been on a bit of a losing spree. But for a guy to be losing these last couple matches, he is showing without a shadow of a doubt the amount of athleticism and work he's put into it. And him and Ishii had a fucking incredible match. The biggest thing I can say, I can't believe someone, you know, even though he's a, a brick shithouse, Ishii did a fucking standing suplex and stalled it for what seemed like 30 seconds before giving Moose the brain buster. Um, just an incredible, aggressive match between these two guys, nailing each other. Moose was... It was so funny because it was like Ishii was like the tank, you know, wrestler, if you will, the heavy. Moose was more of like the agile guy bouncing off around, even though they would have those moments where they would collide like two fucking semis. But more praise on Moose for being able to do another awesome match with a completely different competitor. And it's always good seeing Ishii uh, in the ring. And I thought this was this might have been my favorite match on the pay-per-view, Chris. I have to agree. I, I agree with you 100% on this one. This was definitely my favorite match, not only of, on that pay-per-view, but probably of the entire weekend, even including the uh, Andrade and Omega match. I just thought this was incredible. Moose gets better and better and has been for a very, very long time. But just the way Ishii is able to work, knowing that he's like 5'5", five, five, right, is able to work like he is a much bigger wrestler. I think there's a lot of things that other wrestlers around the, the country, at least in America, can look at and go, okay, I need to adapt my style because that's how damn good he is, and this match was was phenomenal. I can't think of another wrestler that has that type of appeal to him. I mean, I don't even remember Taz was a, was a brick shithouse, but I don't remember him throwing around giants. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, you know, everyone obsesses over size. Well, the WWE obsesses over size. But if the wrestler can get himself over as being that strong and being that good, it doesn't matter. We just watched it with Moose, right? It was fucking great. And uh, I think there's a lot of things that you could look at in this match. And if your other companies look at what they were able to accomplish, and I don't think anyone thought this match was unbelievable at all, like there's that sense of just good in-ring psychology. The thing that makes you suspend disbelief, this match had that. Um, which, going into it, me and you both were like, that, that might be, that couldn't be the match of the night, <laughs> just based on what yeah. And we were right. It was, it, to me, it was the match of the night. I, like you said, I mean, the Jay White match was, was good, but it's not Jay White's best match. Um, I've seen him do better stuff, but seeing Moose versus E in itself is just such a weird idea. And for them to go out there and kind of tear the house down, it it was something to behold for sure. And Moose, I'm sorry, man. He goes, and this obviously they've gotten better in the last couple of years of developing since then. 
but three people that, that WWE fucked up on for turning down for NXT contracts, Moose, Thunder Rosa, Alexander Hammerstone, because I think all those, all three of them have risen and probably that kind of changed their mindset and said, screw it. I'm going to fucking just put off even more stuff outside of WWE and build myself. I don't need WWE to an extent. They wanted Thunder Rosa to be a fucking referee. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Thunder Rosa kind of came out of nowhere with how good she was, too. Because she's only been wrestling for like a year and a half. True. So, you know, that I'm not going to shit on them that hard for that. Um, that that's just I think that might be a one off. But some of the other people in talent, they've even talent they've recently released is. Uh, is pretty embarrassing. I mean, look at like 2.0 and what they're able to do on AEW. And remember, they were signed to NXT. It's just, they miss on so many guys. And, and Moose is definitely one they missed on. He's also one I wouldn't be surprised to get a contract offer. Especially with them saying they want to get more big guys in WWE. Now, whether he would take it or not, that's a different story. But he is someone I could. Do you think it. him being him approaching forty though would would deter that? I don't know. Maybe not for the main roster. He looks great. And I mean, he's out here having great matches too. It. He's just. He's one of the guys I could see WWE actually making a push for. That's outside of developmental i guess yeah and you're right and even alexander hammerstone he knew that he was very very young in his career i believe that's back when he looked more like triple h than the version that he presents now uh but yeah it's just still crazy that all three of them tried out and both all got turned down and now they're all making their rounds in different places but uh let's let's continue uh good brothers retained against john moxley i i don't know if something happened you know, even if that report that you gave me was false with Sammy uh, Callahan being his partner, um, I, I don't I'm assuming that Eugene Nagata might not have been the person originally put there. It was kind of like, a, well, you know, we have to sort of thing. But, yeah, I was definitely wanting Suzuki Kingston to come back, who could have been available. Sammy Callahan when I found out about that. But, uh, you know, kind of. It it did deter me a little bit from this match. I love Yuji Nagata, but I mean, that's not to me that big of a surprise. Um, you know, with Suzuki coming in to the U.S. Uh, soon, and I guess we can kind of tie that in. That would have been ridiculous. Sammy would have been a good choice. Kingston would have been a good choice. Yuji was fine. Ten minute match. Good Brothers went over. Got the pin on Yuji. He was definitely there to eat the pin. But um, yeah. And that was for the uh, Impact Tag Titles. And then presented that afterwards. Tamatanga and Tangalo got in the face of the two of them and basically said they don't care if it's for the Impact Titles. They just want to take out the Good Brothers and show them what the real Bullet Club is. So that was probably the biggest thing to take away from that, Chris. Yeah, I agree with you. In this match, it, it was fine, but it was definitely nothing to write home about as far as things on this show. And like you said, I, I also love Yuji Nagata, but from all those reports, we're saying it was Sammy Callahan. I'm more interested in that match because it ties back to Impact, at least. Um, but yeah, the big takeaway here is definitely Girl is a Destiny showing up and, and basically threatening to whip that ass. 
So that'll be a fun match. They've had great matches in the past, so I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, this match didn't do... Actually, the Good Brothers in general haven't done a whole lot for me uh, since... Nope. In general. And that might uh, make me bad, but that's just how I feel, kind of. I agree with you. Kind of stale. Um, all right, so then we had the Never Openweight Championship. I mean, this was a great match between David Finley and Jay White, but Jay White was getting his win back for losing in the tournament um, a couple months ago. Uh Retains never open weight and is kind of considering this the big championship. Cut a promo afterwards and says he doesn't care if it's impact. He doesn't care if it's on AEW stage. Bullet Club is going to be bringing it to the elite very, very soon. And they're coming to take them out. So that is very exciting. Um, I don't think he would name drop AEW for the hell of it. No, and I mean, this This was probably the biggest thing on the show, right? We're talking about um, Osprey. Oh, no, Jay White and David Finley. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I skipped it. When did, I'm, I'm so sorry. When did Osprey come out? Because that is, that is true. Was that after the Moxley match? I I thought so, but maybe my notes are out of order. So I, No, I you're, you're fine. I, I, I might have fucked up and forgot about that, but... Um, We'll go back to that, but uh, Jay White, David Finley, Jay White goes over. Chris calls out the elite, saying that Bullet Club's going to bring it to them at New Japan, at Impact, even at AEW. Name drops AEW. Are we going to see Bullet Club versus Elite coming very soon, even to AEW stage? I I hope so. I hope that's where they're going with this, but we're definitely going to see it in Impact because they're, I mean, they're heavily building around Jay White and, and Chris Bay and the resurrection of the bullet club here in, in America. So we're, we're at least going to see it there, but I would love to see that transfer over to AEW. I, I would love to see more guys from impact in general, make their way over to AEW as opposed to it. Kind of, I, it's, it's kind of a one way street where AEW is sending guys there. Um, but yeah, the, the, this match was really good. They've had better matches. That's yep. the only thing to say about this. Like we've seen these guys wrestle multiple times at this point and this wasn't a bad match but it definitely is not the best match i've ever seen between those two all right and yeah the osprey thing well osprey comes out he's got the original title he basically calls out um the dragon and says uh you know you are not the champion you are the uh interim champion uh he is come 100 cleared and he wants to start making his rounds and he's over here in the u.s they are packing, Chris, New Japan strong. I think it makes sense because of everything that happened, you know, it, that's going on in Japan. They're getting the stars over here, and they have Ishii for a while. They have Tanahashi for a while. Will Ospreay is now over here, Jay White, uh, Suzuki. So it seems like they're trying to kind of keep on going, even though the pandemic's still going so bad over in their country. By bringing people over here, Will Ospreay claiming he is the actual champion. He's got the original belt. I wish he pulled out the original, original belt, but I'm not going to complain too much. Um, just because that looks like the fucking Divas Championship. Let's all be let's all be honest. It looks like a mixture between the old school AWA Championship, which looked like shit, and the fucking Divas Championship combined. But either way, what, how do you feel about Will Ospreay letting his presence be known? 
I think it's incredible. It's great to see all these guys being able to come over to America and work. And when they originally announced New Japan Strong and the fact that they were going to be doing these tours in America, I think a lot of us fans thought it was going to look more like like it looks like right now. Yep. Um, unfortunately, it took COVID being so bad in Japan for this to kind of happen. So, I mean, if you're a Japanese wrestling fan who wants to go see a New Japan show, that sucks. But uh, it's it's definitely positioning New Japan Strong in a much higher light. And I think they've done a good job of mixing these guys in with their actual week-to-week roster. So exciting. Good to see Will Ospreay's back. I can't believe he came back so quickly. Yeah. Did he have neck surgery? Yep. So, I mean, hopefully he's good to go. Maybe he'll chill out a little bit. I don't need to see Will Ospreay paralyzed. Um, But that's asking a lot of Will Ospreay. He's probably just going to go 100 miles an hour like he always does. He he was on such a great run with that that title belt and be a Priestley being there with him. It's it's cool to see him back. I like the storyline of like I didn't really lose the championship; it was taken away from me. And you look at people like Moxley who didn't defend the thing for the entire year. Like him adding that stuff into his promo gives you that sense of realism, and I thought it was really really great. All right, and and let's get down to it. So. We'll talk about the match in specific, but you had Tanahashi, you had Lance Archer, IWGP US Championship. Moxley's there watching like a hawk the whole entire time from the uh, from the announced position. Uh, we know that Moxley Tanahashi that was something that was in the works. Apparently, from reports say Tanahashi and Moxley's not going to happen at All Out. That something between them. I don't know if it was like a booking mistake is not allowing that to happen. So I'm wondering if they wanted to, they could put fucking Will Ospreay against John Moxley in a match, but I don't know if that would be the smartest thing to do, but Mox has got to have a match at AEW. We'll talk the specifics about the match with Lance Archer, but yeah, apparently Chris, no more Tanahashi, no more Tanahashi and uh, Moxley. I don't know if you saw that report, but they're trying to figure out something else now. Well, I mean, there's always Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> there you go. That's another one. I love that. I love you for thinking. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff you could do with Moxley, even if you want to just pull within the talent pool you have in AEW. I, if you can't find Moxley a match, you're fucking up. Kind yeah. Of. So, I, you know, they'll, they'll find something for him to do. Even if it's on the pre-show, I mean, they could do him and Eddie Edwards versus 2.0. They kind of tease that a little bit once we get to Dynamite. Um, so they could, you know, it's weird to say Moxley would be on the pre-show, but it's also something to draw people in to watch your pre-show and potentially buy the pay-per-view. So, I mean, they could just do something like that, but I think everyone wanted the Tanahashi match. Me and you have been clamoring for Suzuki, and if Suzuki's wrestling in GCW, there's no fucking reason why you couldn't have him on this pay-per-view. I think Suzuki's the only guy that's his age that would actually be able to scare some of the roster at GCW. <laughs> God, murder grandpa. I mean, I love that he's coming over here. And I loved your idea about having, if he comes to, especially for Moxley, uh, if he comes on AEW, having Dan Lambert introduce him and be his manager. That would be fucking perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great pairing with him being a shooter. I can't take credit for that. I did hear that on... Um... Brian Alvarez's podcast. He didn't say who came up with that idea, but when I heard it, I was like, holy shit, that's brilliant. 
because Dan Lambert's been killing it um, on promos and commentary, etc. Unless you're easily offended on Twitter, Jesus. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, so I I can't take... That's what he's going for, you idiots! Everyone knows, including Jim Cornette, he's going for a Jim Cornette type of fucking thing. God, fucking people, marks. Yeah, sorry. But uh, yeah, no, in general, I can't I can't take credit for that idea. But when I heard it, I was like, that is a damn good idea. Like That's perfect pairing. And it also gets you over the hurdle of needing uh, needing Suzuki to cut cut any kind of promo, which he doesn't need to do anyways. I'm sure, you know, AEW fans, as soon as he shows up, they're going to know, hey, that's fucking Minoru Suzuki and he's a badass, which is kind of the only story he needs to tell. Um, but I, I do think that's a great pairing. And me and you have been wanting this match for a long time. The rematch. Yes. This might be the perfect time to do it if they can if they can get it done. I'm assuming with Tanahashi, that might be a a conversation where New Japan doesn't want Tanahashi to lose or something. So it you know that that could be why that I'm under that. I think that might have been the original thing. That might have been the uh, oh shit, we can't really do that because Tanahashi now has a fucking belt. Like, they kind of backed themselves into a corner, and Gato didn't realize it. But, you know, whatever happens, if anything, eventually they're going to do Tanahashi Moxley. Moxley can use this as fuel for that, saying that, once again, Tanahashi ducked and dodged him. So, not a problem, I don't think. It seems like Tana's going to be over here for a minute anyways. And and to me, Tanahashi's a perfect person. They can I know he's a huge draw in Japan still, but he is kind of a great, great transitional person you can have here because he has the story with Kenny. He has, you know, so many different stories with all of these different wrestlers that I feel like he could tell very well on the AEW stage. And and one, he's, I mean, he still just has fucking phenomenal matches, but you know, I, I would like to see the revisit for him and Omega. I don't yeah. know if it happened or not, but the storyline going into that is Tanahashi was not fucking impressed with Kenny Omega. <laughs> if you remember, no. <laughs> people people and i think including dave was like the relationship between them is not as intense obviously but it's at the beginning levels of what like it was with sean and fucking brett where brett did not you know they might have been cool beforehand but due to kenny getting the championship and getting an ego and wanting to get his friends involved and, and more and more power it definitely turned off tanahashi the old school championship who didn't think that basically was worthy and kind of caused a lot of tension going into that match. And I mean, you can just imagine what the promo battles would look like now because Kenny Omega left. He, he helped build this company. He's currently the champion in two different <laughs> companies, you know, like the storyline he would be able to tell. And then also Tanahashi being like, yeah, but you also just took your ball and left. Um, so, I mean, that that one is very intriguing to me as far as things Tanahashi could do. In, in America. And and like I said, I think he's kind of a perfect person you can leave over here for a while if that if that's what they want to do. Um I don't know, man. It, it's so weird with what's going on in Japan and how how they've not been able to consistently put together shows. It's it sucks. Well, I mean, the question really is like how long are they going to keep Okada over there? I see Okada is someone that they always protect even more so than Tanahashi. So I don't know that he's, I mean, I personally would love for him to come over here obviously and have the rematch with Kenny, 
the problem is, is they're not going to want a cod to lose in America, I don't think. So whatever you do would probably have to be some kind of fuck finish or a time limit draw. God, but there's so many great matchups, including obviously getting back to the Omega feud that you could get a, a, a Okada involved in over here. It would be a lot of fucking fun. But yeah, I agree with you. Very well. Rep- they need to have some stars there. They're still assembling some type of audience. They still have Shingo over there. They still have a good amount of, of evil, you know, Sonata, Naito. So they got to have some of their fucking roster over there for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're not able to run paid shows right now, so they're just losing money on pretty much anything they do, um, which sucks. So it's they're they're unfortunately in a weird spot. Their uh, their new home pretty much is L.A. for right now, and uh, last match, like we said, Tanahashi beat Lance Archer. It was actually it was a really good match. Uh, Archer's a great big guy, just kind of dominate on ta- Tanahashi. Gave me a little bit of a Sean Taker feel almost, except for I, Lance Archer's kind of, he fucking, he gets real aggressive. Like, he's he's got, like I said, there is a lot of Brody, and he studied Bruiser Brody before going to Japan. That's why he was coming out and fucking, you know, throwing young boys as opposed to punching them. But tonight he punched every single one out, throwing fucking chairs into the audience, just making his present known. But I like, since Lance... On AEW has turned babyface, and I think there's a reason why Jake Snake Roberts hasn't been there. I'm hoping that that will play out in the future. Maybe Jake has a new giant guy that people know pretty damn well uh, because Lance is not cutting it for him. Who knows? But um, Lance did a great job as the big guy. Tanahashi did a great job as a legend. And, of course, ended up crossbody or uh, frog splash crossbody, his version Crossbody uh, turned over, then turn him back over, give him the, uh, the the frog splash, and one, two, three. And afterwards, Lance let Tanahashi know how much he appreciates him and cut a babyface promo. So kind of a, not counterintuitive, but different from the perception of how Lance started the match. You know, Lance wanted to finally beat Tanahashi. He didn't. He gave his praise. A lot of that came from the heart. And, I mean, as Archer has been on AEW, he's not at really a heel anymore, so it kind of made sense and fit into it, I would say. But as soon as the match is over, Moxley got the fuck out of there. So, you know, like we said, that's not happening anymore, even if they're trying to set that up. But um, still, good match between Tanahashi and Lance Archer, Chris. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was a very good match. Um, I felt like they've had matches before. Four in the G1, right, Lance and Tanahashi? Yeah. He yeah. brought it up in the speech. They, they've fought many a times, apparently. I can't remember. I can't remember any of those, but I'm sure they were, were great. This this was a really, really good match. I would say it, it was probably my second favorite match on the show. Me too. Moose and Ishii just cream with the crop on this show, but this match was very, very good. But I wouldn't expect anything less from Tanahashi and Lance Archer, to be honest. All right, let's. Uh, we got two more things I want to go over before we go over into these shows. So let's kind of go through them. Dave Metzler reported, I believe Friday, there will be another big signee coming after Daniel Bryan in AEW. No specifics. We don't know. But if obviously Daniel Bryan's coming at the end of September, apparently, at All Out, that would mean October would be the next month. 
I wouldn't think maybe it's Bray unless they do it, like I said, on the last day of October, because that's literally when he would be able to. But, you know, between your Adam Coles, your Braun Strowman's, there are people there. Um, shit, we could even throw in Tessa Blanchard, for Christ's sakes. But another big signee apparently is on its way coming in October, Chris, for AEW. It's Maybe Fandango. It's, Flair. <laughs> it's Fandango. It's <laughs> hey, I love Fandango. <laughs> yeah, that would people would not be happy about. Well, he's got some shirts on Pro Wrestling Tee. Everyone, go support Fandango, please. It, he's, I think he's going to be going by Dirty Dingo, which is fucking great. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was kidding. I'm assuming it's Bray, honestly. And I think the what you set up makes a lot of sense. Um, since he's up that day and. You could do something special even around that date and tie it. Yeah, up. you do. You do one of your your TNT specials. You do maybe your first one on Halloween, and that's the day of that he gets to go out. That would make a lot of sense to have Bray Wyatt show up in whatever way. I really actually kind of want to line him with with Jake Roberts. That that's what I was alluding to, because um, I want Jake to go back to being sinister and fucking evil and not like scared old man. Uh, like he is right now with Lance Archer. But um, getting back to it, you have Bray show up on uh, the day after his contract's up on Halloween on a special on TNT. I think people will get fucking pretty excited about that. Yeah, and even though I don't really consider them in direct competition, NXT and AEW, it also gives you an answer for Halloween Havoc. Because you know they're going to run a Halloween. True. So True. I, I mean, a sense, and I, he to me, he is the biggest name out there available. I would say Bray is a bigger name than Adam Cole. I love Adam Cole. I think he'd be fucking great wherever wherever he decides to go. He's going to be great. But, I mean, if you're talking about a big, big signing on the same level as, like, Punk or Brian, the next name out there would be, you know, Bray. Yep. I mean, the only other person probably would be Brock Lesnar, and that's not going to happen. And right underneath them, that would be pretty big deal, but not as big as Bray would probably be a Braun Strowman or an Adam Cole. So... Yeah, I think I think it makes sense. Month of October. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, my last thing that I want to talk about, Chris, I watched the first episode of Heels. And I fucking loved it. Um, Stephen Amell, uh, Alexander Ludwig, the whole entire cast. Great job. Uh, I love that. Apparently, I don't know if he was an executive producer. That's what I originally heard. But Cody was hugely influential because he's good friends with Steven on helping him kind of structure out stuff that Steven didn't know. But you can tell Steven Amell being an ex- uh, executive producer and being one of the main guys, a part of this loves fucking professional wrestling. And I was a huge fan of arrow for the first four seasons, probably before I kind of fell off his acting in this, especially doing a Southern accent. He's a Canadian pretty damn good job. I love the, the, the idea, Chris of Friday night, Friday Night Lights in a, you know, probably, I, I don't know where the hell, if the, if the town actually exists or if it's in middle Georgia or whatever, but like a small town, instead of it being directly around high school football, it's around an indie promotion, you know. Um, everything that I did with Philip and Bobby over at OSVW, uh, you know, in North Georgia, same type of feel. Everyone would come for the event, 
have fun. You would have, you know, I met George South in the, in the, in the back. He was talking to the boys and shit like that. You know, it was, it was very similar. And I forgot what the actor's name is, but yeah, playing that Michael P.S. Hayes, I made it and now I'm recruiting. Like, I just loved it. The ending really kind of, you know, bringing up the suicide concept with the father and by Alexander Ludwig because Stephen definitely has a chip on his shoulder that they see something in his younger brother and the relationship totally reminded me of like kind of an Owen Brett situation and I I can't wait to see this unfold and I think that we're gonna we've seen commercials now I've seen it for NWA Impact uh, every big wrestling fucking um, what you gonna call it a podcast and obviously AEW they're promoting this. Steven's a business partner with Chris Jericho on the little bit of the bubbly. Um, if you know, people didn't know that. So he's friends with him. He's good friends with Cody. I think there's going to be some cross promotional stuff. Steven's been in the ring. He was actually in all in against Christopher Daniels and had a pretty damn good celebrity match going through fucking tables and shit. Like he didn't have to, um, just the beginning of it. That first him doing the, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. The post to post uh Rob Van Dam move that Shane does too. Um it looks awesome. Apparently, I think you're the one who told me that he hurt himself because they said it looked perfect the first time. And Steven's like, you know, a perfectionist. I mean, this is a man that hated having, even though he's good friends with them, hated having a stunt guy show up on 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 stage for Arrow because he liked doing everything himself and would show on YouTube his training of going down platforms, running down them, running up another one, kind of like almost at like a skate park and jumping in the air and getting a bullseye. That's how dedicated he was to arrow something like pro wrestling. This is awesome. Alexander looked great. They've been getting trained. CM Punk's going to show up on the show as a brand new character with, uh, uh, Bonnie Somerville as his valet. Um, there's apparently other wrestlers coming up. I think the show is going to do really big. I hope it gets popular. And I just wanted to put out that if Stephen ML wants to do a celebrity match or something like that, obviously Cody would make sense to interact with since that's who he did with WWE ring of honor and in kind of building up to all in like, I just love his dedication, man. I, I have to agree with you. And I think the, um, as far as him doing a celebrity match, I mean, you could do Cody and him versus the bucks, right? I think that would potentially make a lot of sense. That was the last match he had with Ring of Honor, right? He was part of the four-man tag team match. Yep. I'm trying to remember. So, yeah, I, I do want to say this. I think this show can be for everyone. You don't necessarily have to be a wrestling fan. Obviously, it helps. Um, so if you have, like, a spouse or a partner who's not a huge wrestling fan, I think they can still enjoy this show. It, it does have very much that Friday Night Lights vibe to it where you don't necessarily have... And I wasn't a football fan, and I love Friday Night Lights. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. I, I think it has that vibe, and they do a good job of explaining enough about the wrestling business for that portion of it to make sense. I lo- absolutely love the actor. I can't think of his name, but the guy that is playing the Michael P.S. Hayes-esque character from... He was the sheriff in True Blood. Um, I think you said he was, he was on the wire. God damn it. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Sorry. Yeah, he's he's absolutely phenomenal in this as that character. Uh, he has this great line. I don't I don't want to spoil too much, but there is that great scene where he's talking. He spits out a Bible verse and he's like, you'd remember the Bible, too, if you were hit with it. 
as much as I was as a kid. So there's some of the darkness of these different characters tied in. Uh, I also love the video package. <laughs> it was just TNA. Um, Basically. There, <laughs> there's some surprise appearances in this one at one of the good brothers. So check, look for that. Um, it was good, man. I watched it twice. The only thing Me too. about this is I just wanted that second episode as soon as it was done, which is a good thing, but it also sucks. Cause you know, stars is built on a seven day free trial system to get people to sign up. <laughs> so they're not going to give you all the episodes at once, but I, when does the next episode come out? Is it Sunday? Sunday. Eight o'clock. That sucks. I gotta wait all day Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the same time as Takeover, so we can't even watch it. Fuck. Ugh. I just watch Takeover after the fact. That's probably actually what I'll do. I'm being honest. <laughs> so I'll watch Heels and then I'll watch Takeover. Nothing against Takeover. I'm still gonna watch it. I just, I am that excited about the next episode. I really like it. I love Stephen Mel, or as I as I like to refer to him, Canadian Paul Walker. Um, <laughs> I love him. I think he's great. I'm glad to see that he's enjoying this so much because if if, if you get kind of remember when he left Arrow, it seemed like he was just done with TV acting in general. Um, so it's cool that he's so into this and it, it's wrestling, which is something he's always talked about loving. And, and I think they're doing a good job of, like you said, telling the story of a small indie promotion um, in a fictional. Duffy George is not a real place, guys. Just heads up. Okay, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> hey, I would also, I would love to see an, uh, you know, NWA or a smaller promotion do a uh, fucking show on that set, because that is a really cool looking church, fucking wrestling like little place they put together. And and some of that is they've taken vibes from different wrestling and indie feds. Like that almost has like the not the Hammerstein Ballroom, but the other place that uh ecw's running it kind of has a little bit mm-hmm. of that like there's a lot of really cool stuff and even the minor characters in the show there's something to 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 take away from them and, and i i can't wait to see that flesh out more like big joe's character for instance yep and, you know having to choose but basically between wrestling and being a father and and you know his wife not understanding um why he would want to be a wrestler like there's a lot of really good shit there's even moments where they talk about other wrestling like there's a wcw uh segment where they talk about wcw and some of the past there sting and flair and they say vince mcmahon i mean up north you know it's it's not in a fake universe and i love that yeah everything about it is believable to this to, to that extent and um they also do a good job of teasing things and, and paying them off, which I, I don't want to spoil the, the end of the episode by any means. So I don't want to get too much into that. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. I love it. I'm excited for the next episode. Like I said, I, I will probably watch NXT on delay so I can watch <laughs> the new episode with appeals. Chris Bauer was his name, actor from True Blood and uh, The Wire. Great actor. Uh, CM Punk interview with one of my favorite guys, Christian Harloff, about this. Christian just backed off on the AEW thing. He just he knew that that was going to be a possibility. It was probably going to happen. Just, you know, that's what Punk was there for. And talking about his character, uh, Ricky Rabies, and how he's like this over-the-top, you know, character with him and his valet. I can't wait. 
because Punk said that he puts a lot of different wrestlers that he loved in the 80s kind of in combined aspects of them. But um, having him as a consultant, having Cody as a consultant, uh, CM Punk thought it was funny because, you know, he would go to Steven or Alexander or Chris about acting-related questions, but he even had them coming and asking him about wrestling-related stuff, of how he would react. And, like, Chris Bauer came up and said to him, and CM Punk was like, dude, you're fucking Chris Bauer. Like, you know, you got this, man. You're you're a legend. And uh, he seems really excited about it. I thought Christian had a great idea, Chris. And I'll take it a step further, too. But, you know, they have their YouTube page or whatever that Steven kind of does stuff for. Make that a real page. Have them promote, quote-unquote, their show through the event they're going to have. Promos from the wrestlers, different things, all, all fake stuff. And I'll even say, if they wanted to go really meta and maybe the brothers show up uh, just for, I don't know, a tag match. I don't even necessarily it has to be a pay-per-view. But in character, that's already wrestling anyways. I would love that concept if Steven and fucking Alexander showed up for a tag match or something like that. If they're with how things are going on. And they're kind of lumped and included, if you will, in that family with the AW and everything from all the connections. Are you there, bud? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, you're back. Um, oh, where'd you lose me? I'm sorry. Uh, you you were just talking about the cross promotion potentially doing uh, like an actual match with Anderson and Gallows and pr- promoting this on YouTube like it you would promote an actual indie show. Well, yeah, and also if if they wanted to get really meta, NWA possibly, you know, maybe the the brothers quote unquote that the, the uh, spade brothers i love the Hart brothers the spade brothers you guys get that connection uh maybe alexander and steven showing up in character for like a tag match on nwa or something like that where i think they could get away with that yeah i mean i think that's a really cool idea if, if they if they want to do that um the, the the younger spade brother uh is it's alexander right the actor's name alexander ludwig he was in um he was in vikings he was awesome in Vikings, but he was all—he was known mainly for the ham, uh, the uh, Hunger Games, or the first one. Yeah, so like everything about his character screams Edge to me, <laughs> which I don't know. If that's he looks that. like him. It's it's that, but it's also like you know some of his poses and hand gestures kind of come off as as super Edge. <laughs> and I think Steven's definitely kind of going borderline Austin, but more heel Austin, if you will, with his character. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. But I, I highly recommend the show. And like I said, don't, you know, if your partner or spouse or your kids aren't wrestling, well, depending on how old your kids are, um, aren't wrestling fans, I think this is a show for everyone, much like Friday Night Lights. I, I don't think it's necessarily just tied to wrestling. And, and that that's maybe what is so great about it. Um, yep. So, Stoked for the next episode. All right, man. Um, we do have WWF stuff to talk about before we get to AEW. Uh, so let's go over it tonight. SummerSlam. Um, I am excited about this event. They have a great setup. There's rumors that certain people, uh, you know, named Brock Lesnar might be making an appearance. We don't know for which champion though. Uh, there could be another, there could be a cash in. That's also another fucking rumor going around. This is going to be in front of a huge audience. Unlike, unfortunately, WrestleMania, 
and it's got a pretty stacked card. I'll admit some of the matches I don't give a shit about. Some of the matches I'm looking really forward to. Uh, but we'll start off. We'll save the championship match for last. So we'll go down. Well, I guess technically this is a championship match. But uh, AJ Styles and Amos, the uh, Raw Tag Team Champions, they're going against RK Bro, Randy Orton, Riddle. And I see this going in two ways. Um, I think RKO's Bro is going to win, and they're going to run with it for a while. But I also see possibly the. I think that's going to happen. But I could also see them where Matt Riddle. Loses the match, and then Randy beats the living shit out of him, and then they start that. They like to jumpstart shit, unfortunately, and not let it flesh out. But I would have this where RK-Bro beats AJ and uh, Amos. AJ eats the pin, and that has been the biggest and I think the funnest stuff that has been on Monday Night Raw as of lately. Like, the whole episode of Monday totally reminded me of just the weird situations that I've seen with Daniel Bryan and Kane, we've set up with rock and mankind with Kurt Angle and, 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 uh, and, and Austin. And, um, I want to see that continue until it gets to the point where riddle, even maybe Randy loses the fucking titles, but still doesn't give a shit and then takes it out on riddle and beats the shit out of them. But, um, we all know that's coming. Let's, let's go with the story because it's one of the only stories that's keeping me watching your product. So, like I said, I think RK Bro is going to win, but knowing WWE and how they like to fucking speed shit up, I could also see it the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing me and you both were worried about when they had him get hit with the RKO. Is like, oh, they're just immediately going to that feud. And uh, luckily, they pulled it back the, the way we thought they would, kind of similar to Austin, you know, hitting Mankind with a fucking stunner every after every <laughs> match, essentially. Um, so I'm glad that they pulled it back. This is by far my favorite thing on Raw. Uh, we can all admire Randy Orton's cookie duster, that mustache he's got going. It's pretty great. <laughs> uh, no, all, all kidding aside, I think this will be a really good match. I mean, fuck, AJ's in there, so it can't be bad, right? Um, I, I do want to say, I, I don't know if we're going to get it. We're probably not really going to talk about Raw, but the uh, AJ and Riddle match was fucking phenomenal. And easily yep. the best match on that show by a fucking mile. So I'm glad they're letting Riddle be more like he was in Evolve. They're giving him some meaningful storylines. I think putting him with Orton is pretty great. So I, I think he, to me, he's like the one young guy they have that could potentially be a superstar if they utilize him correctly. Uh, I agree. On that Raw roster. Uh, so I love this. I think it's going to be great. I will say one thing about SummerSlam. These matches are all going to have to be really short because they have a lot of shit on this card and they have to be done with the show by eight, like everyone out of the building by 830 because they're running that boxing pay-per-view, uh, the Pacquiao fight. And yep. that's Las Vegas, the actual like city said they had to be done. So this isn't just like a self-imposed rule. And it kind of just makes me think, why the hell didn't they just run the show on Sunday? <laughs> but... I get the ideas you could get fans that are there for boxing. They'd be like, oh, let's go see all the combat sports. It makes sense from that standpoint. But it, there's a lot of big stuff on this show. You know, like if you are going to have Lesnar. Um, but, I mean, the John Cena-Roman match, that thing's going to have to be 20 minutes. And you're talking about having three hours for this entire show. Uh, I feel like a lot of these matches, unfortunately, are going to be rushed. 
And that's the fear of it for sure, man. Uh, well, this one probably is going to be a short match. I don't know. This The next match, I will just start off by a tweet. I don't know if I exactly agree with it, but I understand the sentiment. Um, I sent this to you. But it said, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Jeff Hardy, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, The New Day, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Asuka, Tony Storm, Tegan Knox, Shotzi Blackheart. All without Summer Slam matches, but Eva Marie has won. Any statement towards that? I mean, Eva Marie's matches with Alexa Bliss, and we all knew Alexa was going to be on the card. I think it's kind of a dumb storyline they're doing, and I don't give a single fuck about Alexa Bliss's character right now. But I get Or why her doll? Or her doll. And then once again, like I said, they do have some self-imposed issues by running this directly against that boxing pay-per-view. So, I mean, it does suck. Like, it is crazy to me. Like, think you could start a company with just the wrestlers that aren't on this show. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the talent you just named. <laughs> like, you could go start your own indie fed with just those people. So, it's crazy. And, th- and that's the thing that's disappointing about WWE a lot of the times is they have all these guys, but they can't figure out what to do with them because the booking is, for the most part, atrocious. I'll agree with you on that, man. Uh, just so I think Alexa Bliss is going to win, and I think Eva's going to take it out on Dewdrop for some reason. And I think that Dewdrop, Piper Niven, is going to finally break and beat the living shit out of Eva Murray. That's my assumption. And hopefully Lily dies in the process. I mean, are they going to do that, or are they just going to rehash, like, Alexa somehow mind-controls Dewdrop during this match, and, and she beats up Eva Marie, and that's how Alexa Bliss wins? Let's be honest. Even though Alexa is, like, 2.2 when it comes to t- height, uh, she should be able to, with or without demon possession, beat the living fuck out of Eva Marie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I, I agree. It just seems like, you know, they might just rehash the thing that they did with the Fiend and her, where she... yeah takes over Dewdrop, and that's like her enforcer. I mean, Alexa Bliss doesn't need that because she's a former a former women's champion. I don't think that she needs this at all, honestly. I think fans cared more about her without this shit. Um, but this is where they're at, and it's what they're going to be going with. All right, so next match uh, listed. Oh, God, another one I don't care about. Kitty, I feel the same way. Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal. Drew gets to bring his giant sword to the ring. We're talking about the weapon, not his penis. Uh, singles match, Veer and Shanky are also banned from ringside. Drew goes over Jinder Mahal. Can we get him climbing back to something of, of importance? And can we get rid of the concept of him possibly decapitating, especially Middle Eastern fucking wrestlers with a sword? Like, I, I, this whole entire thing just made me feel uncomfortable, honestly. <laughs> what did I send you for my prediction? I Because I, I watched Raw, like, the next day. <laughs> And one, I, I think I said it was fucking abysmal, which it was. I was like, so, wait, they're banned from ringside, and Drew McIntyre can potentially kill Jinder with a sword. That's the story. <laughs> That's the story we're going with. You um, know, it's it's on the same creative minds as pulling someone's eye out. Um, I, maybe he's really going to hit Jinder with a sword. I mean, this is the first time Jinder's been on TV. <laughs> I don't know. Heath Slater is going to come out and save Jinder's life. That'd be amazing. He's got kids, so he could probably use the paycheck. He's still on impact, right? Wasn't is he's in he's injured, right? 
Yeah, he's injured. I think he's going to be showing up soon because last night on the Impact pay-per-view, by the way, in which Daniel Bryan uh, beat Brian Myers, pretty damn good match, emergence. And they were smart. They had it from 7 till 10. So they were like, we'll go against SmackDown, but we'll definitely let fucking AEW breathe. <laughs> um, they had, uh, what the hell was I going to say? Um, Rhino got the loss in a tag team match and Violent by Design didn't turn on him, but they basically, he got bitched out by Aaron Young and they're the ones who took out Heath Slater. So I feel like that's going to be coming around very soon. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... I, I haven't had a chance to check out that full pay-per-view. I did watch the main event with uh, Christian Brian Myers. Brian Myers, I fucking love this guy. Yeah, excellent wrestler. <laughs> excellent the most re- professional. Most professional of wrestlers. And uh, just also, I, I like the major uh, the, the major wrestling figure podcast quite a bit. I think he's very funny on that. So I'm glad to see him getting a main event spot on a pay-per-view. I think it will continue. Um, all right, so next match. This should be a good match. Definitely going to be hard-hitting. Uh, Sheamus, who has definitely impressed me the more and more in the last couple of months, uh, especially since he has spinal stenosis, and he's been working, it seems, even more aggressive and harder. Uh, you know, they gave him the U.S. championship. He's held it, been a heel about, defending it, done it a couple times, and now he's going against Damian Priest for it. I think he's going to drop it to Damian Priest, and I think this is a good thing for Damian. Uh, just the first, because I see a lot of potential if WWE doesn't fuck him up as well. Like I've always said, he kind of reminds me a lot of one of his idols that helped him train at NXT, uh, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall. So I think he's got that swagger. This belt, I think, will help out the situation itself. And it should be a hard-hitting match, Chris, I would say, between Damian and Sheamus. I unfortunately, well, I don't want to say unfortunately because I think Sheamus is fine with this title. I think he's going to retain. It seems like there's still, they're going to go back. More to tell? Yeah, there's more to tell, but I also feel like they're still trying to sprinkle back in Miz and Morrison with Damian Priest based on the angle they did Monday. Mm, that's a good point. I was hoping John Morrison was going to turn on Miz finally so we can get him as a single star by himself, but I like that. I, guess- I like- the breakup is going to be because Morrison won't give Mrs. Dripstick. That's 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 the story they're telling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So honestly, I think this is besides the main event with Cena and Reigns. I think this is my second favorite match. I thought they've set it up great. Uh, I loved both, uh, especially Edges to start off the show last night's um, promo. I liked Seth's afterwards. I liked Seth when he. Had a chance because Edge wasn't on the show to show that package of how much Seth has done, the certain things that Edge has done in his career better. Um, but this is this is a dream match. Now, stylistically, they don't have a lot in common. Edge is way better on the mic than than Seth. But the perception of how they act as heels, um, you know, the architect versus the the um, not the rated R superstar, but his other moniker. Um, Slight dirtiest player in the game. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm, I apologize. Uh, but, you know, they have that type of... They have, there, there are certain events that have happened that they have shown that there's similarities. But I feel like... And I don't want to say this, but I feel like Seth has to win. Um, you know, he got his win back from Cesaro, which was fine, but he lost that mania. Um, he hasn't really been doing much. 
and Edge is literally, you know, kind of more on a part-time consistency with the company. So, but then again, it's like Edge lost last time. I don't know. I'm kind of torn between this. I could see this going either way, but I feel kind of that Seth needs it more. What do you say, Chris? I I'm a, I agree with you. I think Seth probably needs it more than Edge, but I also think that Edge should. Well, it's yeah. I'm kind of in the same spot because it's there's not a right or wrong answer on this. And here's my thought. I think that more than likely Seth is going to lose here and he'll get drafted raw when they do the draft. That that's my guess of what they're going to do with him. And um, eventually Becky is coming back and I'm assuming that she will also be on raw. So that might make sense. So I guess I'm going to go with edge. Um, it's going to be, this will be edges best match since he came back. I can almost guarantee that if they, if they give them the time to have a match, Seth Rollins can pretty much have a fucking incredible match with anyone. So this should be really, really fucking good. This might end up being the best match on the card unless John Cena just goes fucking full Super Saiyan. Which is very possible. And if Seth wins, I feel like it's going to be Edge going for a spear and somehow Seth getting some fucking, some, some, uh, some feet in the air if you will, and coming down and stomping on his ass uh, because he loves to make those memorable curb stomps. But um, yeah, this does have potential to be uh, the best match on the card because of the performers involved. And it's the ultimate opportunist is what I was going for. So the architect versus the ultimate opportunist. Um, He should always just go rated R superstar. It's a much better, it's a much better nickname. I I agree with you. I immediately thought that for the finish of this match, if they have Seth Wood. It's going to be spear into the curb stomp and uh, set, like you said, memorable moments by Seth. And the one that comes to mind, he ended up losing the fucking matches when he went to hit the curb stomp on Orton and Orton <laughs> hits him with that RKO. They were like 75 feet in the air. So he is really good at those. And I think that if you're going to put Seth over, that would be one hell of a way to do it. But then again, you know, the curb stomp can't beat anyone. We saw like Bray take a hundred of them. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to hear them talk about what they were going to do with that Hell in the Cell match. And, like, that started off, all right, we're going to have red lights on. And Brady being like, I, I don't know if we need to do that. Like, oh, and then you're going to get a hammer. Uh, Seth, you're going to completely make your move look completely terrible by giving him curb stomps a million fucking times. Like, you're going to have to and, and cry and piss yourself. <laughs> like, I'm sure they were really fucking excited about their match after that whole entire you know, meeting. Uh, really bad for Seth Rollins because I think, you know, that and the combination of them making him work with Baron Corbin killed his fucking run. Like, yep. Sold everything about him being a baby face. And now we're seeing like a little bit of a resurgence with the, uh, is the King of drip. Is that what he's, well, you know what he said in um, an interview, uh, he basically told WWE, he wouldn't be doing fucking scripted promos anymore. You know, and I don't know if that's helped him to an extent in recent times. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's off, but he won't. He just does his thing. He goes out there and fucking just does whatever. And certain people like him, like Edge, like Roman Reigns, Cena. It's so weird because sometimes they have the best promos on the show. <laughs> well, I mean, they still, they still script a lot of Roman stuff, right? 
Roman said on uh, told uh, Sports Illustrated he's doing whatever the fuck he wants now. Well, that's that's good because it definitely comes off more authentic to who I would think Roman is in real life. Not that he's a dick in real life or anything. Well, Paul Heyman helps him. Paul Heyman helps him, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, well, that obviously doesn't hurt either. (laughs) No. Having Paul, the mind of Paul Heyman. Um, I'm excited for, we'll we'll get, when we get there, I'll talk about why I'm so excited for that match. Yeah. All right, let's go over the other tag match. Usos, Jane Jimmy versus Ray and Dominic Mysterio for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Chips, I should say. Um, And the Usos are going to retain. I think that you're going to still have the Tribal Chief with the championship. I'm sorry. I don't think John's beaten the record. I'll just let you guys know that right now. Um, but the whole story they've been telling is the Usos have not gotten in Ray's head, but in Dominic's head. And even though Dominic is new at this, his father's been telling him to pace himself because he's kind of getting you know, a little bit ahead of himself and a little bit too aggressive to the point where it's distracting him. So I hope they don't have, at least right now, Ray and Dominic just go after each other. Like I said, this is WWE, so I could see them doing that. But either way, I feel like the Usos are picking up those belts again after this match is all said and done. Yeah, I, I, I don't see the Usos thing here. I just, I mean, I don't even know that this match belongs on the, the main show. I think it's a pre-show match just because we've seen it so much, if I'm being completely honest with you. It'll yep. be a match, but... It's um, I don't think this is something fans are excited to see necessarily. And also one of the Usos, a lot of people think should probably have gotten a suspension. For, I don't know, getting his 100th DUI. So there's there's a lot of mixed feelings on this. I still think it's a good storyline. Um, the tag division is so weak. I understand why they keep doing this match. But at the same time, it's like we have to move on from this. So either split Ray and Dominic or have them turn on each other or some shit because we can't. I can't continue to watch this fucking match on SmackDown and pay-per-views, Dan. I'll, I'll literally lose my fucking mind. <laughs> There's other people. There's definitely other people. Um, all right, so the next one, uh, WWE Championship match. Bobby Lashley with MVP in his corner going against Oldberg. Um, I want Bobby Lashley to retain. I want him to hold that until someone takes it off in a normal match. And I want it to be like, I love Kofi Kingston. I love Big E to, if Big E's going to do something, I don't know if it would be like how Edge did it or like Seth did it. I think that he would want a match, call it out. And that would be the way it is. We are having the draft soon. So I would like Bobby Lashley to win. Now, if Goldberg does win, I do feel like there is a chance that Big E might cash in. And yes, I understand uh, Baron Corbin, he has the fucking briefcase. I think that that's going to be handled in a backstage segment. That's just a joke to kind of freak out some fans. But I feel like Big E, if Goldberg wins, Big E comes out, takes out Goldberg. I don't think Goldberg needs that win. I think that would be kind of pointless. But I also, and this is my, my third idea... Big E adds himself to this match right at the beginning. So you have Bobby Lashley, Big E, and Goldberg, and then I see Big E going over. So either Bobby Bobby Lashley wins to go on another day, get another feud going, but if Goldberg somehow does fucking win, Big E comes out, cashes in, or Big E joins it at the beginning, 
and wins. But I most likely see Bobby Lashley just retaining. So I, I this is my thought on what they might do here, which is Bobby. No, yeah, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is going to retain, but it's because Lesnar shows up and just suplexes everyone to death. Uh, he maybe even suplexes fucking Goldberg's kid. Who knows? <laughs> he's, he's he's done that before. He doesn't give a fuck. Or Dominic. <laughs> um, yeah, Gold, like uh, Lesnar d- definitely does not care about Goldberg's kid. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> so if he shows up and suplexes everyone, and then Lashley just kind of crawls over and gets the pin, that sets up your. If you want to do Brock versus Goldberg to get that one other, I think because he has one more match left to get that one other Goldberg match out of the way, maybe that's what you do at Saudi because they are going back that the back there. They announced that by the way, so they're doing that. Um, maybe that's the match at Saudi is Brock beating Goldberg, and then you can go directly to Brock and and uh, Lashley, which I think is the match a lot of people want to see. Um, otherwise, I think your suggestion of if you have to have Goldberg win, Big E's got to cash in. Like, almost immediately. Unless unless Goldberg is going to drop the title the next night on Raw. Which, I, I don't know what... I At that point, it's a waste of Goldberg and a waste of Lashley's pretty dominant win-loss record. All right, well, here's a match I don't really care about at all. Uh, Nikki Ash, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley... Um, I I don't remember the news report exactly who it came from, but apparently WWE is going to be going back to what they know. So there's a good chance that you're going to see, um, Sasha win against Bianca Belair, which I think Bianca is actually over. Uh, but Charlotte's taking this fucking, I I just don't see Nikki Ash fucking winning. I'd love to think Rhea Ripley could, and I'll be down if that happens, but I feel like Charlotte Flair is going to win this match. Oh, I I think Charlotte's going to win this match as well. And and I I don't have a problem with it, really, because Ash, like the fans actually do like Nikki. But as soon as she starts talking about being a superhero, I don't know if you noticed this on Raw. They started fucking booing. (laughs) If they're going to continue to push down people's throats, I'm completely fine with that. Especially because, like I said, Becky is coming back at some point. And that, that's your feud, Becky versus Charlotte, anyway. We still have Asuka in the wings. Um, she's not really been anything as of late, so there's a lot of stuff you can do with Charlotte. Um, oh, she's been talking shit on Twitter, though. <laughs> Every making, time. Make, <laughs> making, like, these great fucking pictures and shit. Asuka could retire right now and just do YouTube, because it's, like, the greatest thing of all time, just watching Asuka cook food and go to the supermarket and shit. It's, it's amazing. I highly recommend everyone go check out Asuka's YouTube. Um, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that you can do with Charlotte as champ that you can't necessarily do with Nikki as champ. So I, I don't have a problem with that. As far as uh, Sasha and Bianca... Putting the title back on Sasha is not the worst thing because they're just going to continue that feud. They'll give it the, the third rubber match, and you can still have Bianca win and, and maybe do some kind of stipulation. It's like better a, to have a babyface chase sometimes, man. I would love to see those two in a ladder, ladder match, honestly. Whew. I think it'd be fucking great. I mean, Sasha might accidentally kill herself, but 
<laughs> with all those meteoras she does. But it would be a damn good match and something we haven't seen. Have we seen a, at least on the main roster, have we seen a women's just one-on-one ladder match for a title? I don't think we have. That, that could be something really cool. WWE, if you're out there listening, uh, make sure to send me a paycheck if you do this. It's coming in the mail. They just told me. Championship match. Oh, and I think that I think Sasha's going to win that. Um, if Bianca does, I'm not going to. I like both ladies. I think they're both doing a great job. I didn't know. I thought the fucking contract signing thing was stupid. And now that I, heels align, that was the whole concept with Camille, uh, Carmella and fucking Selena coming out. But they have great chemistry. They've built a lot of around this the whole sb award you know they, they they've they've gotten a lot of commercial like them you know bianca defending at that huge uh music festival against carmella so either of them could win with the rumor of sasha i just think sometimes it's better for the chase uh for a baby face than them winning and then going against a bunch of heels better storyline but i mean isn't shouldn't that be the argument of why sasha should win here so that bianca can chase yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I got you. All right. Yeah. So it, the only thing I will say is I, I don't like the fact that Bianca hasn't had the title that long and hasn't really had a, a very memorable run just because they haven't had her really go against it. Bailey, right? Uh, that's the only caveat. To, to she's, she's had it since April, though, at least. Yeah, no, but like, can you? What's the most memorable? She had what Carmella like seven times, Bailey like five times, Carmella like seven times. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm saying like that's the only part that suck about her dropping the title. But if 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 they are, if we're right and they are going back to what they know, you can just rerun what you did with Charlotte and Sasha, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, this match with all, with the lineup itself is probably my third most anticipated match as far as a match because I think these ladies have great chemistry. But, you know, Edge and Seth might be the one I think will steal it. The one I'm most invested to is the one we're about to talk about. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman in his corner versus John Cena. John Cena's made it very apparent. If he beats this, he beats Flair's record of 16. They're both tied right now. That's a huge deal. And he even made it known he doesn't have a, a movie that he's filming, you know, for a little while. And even if he does, he said he'll just bring the fucking championship belt to there and still defend. Uh, I don't know if that's really possible. This makes this the reason why, besides the fact that Roman Reigns needs to climb more as a tribal chief, I don't think they're going to put on Cena. But then again, with everything going on, maybe they do. That shows me a lack of, and I don't think they should, because I think that he's the main reason why everyone's watching SmackDown, but lack of faith in Roman. But I think Roman and John are going to have an awesome match. I think Roman's going to beat John. There might be some heelish bullshit, but he'll still get him. I think before that, it's going to be a situation where the Usos come out because of a ref bump. John takes them both out, and then maybe Roman gets ahead of him or Paul or something. Either way, I think we're going to actually have a similar... I'm taking your idea, but changing it up a little bit. I think they originally wanted to do that, but now they're going to put the big match forward. And... I think just like how John Cena showed up last time when he beat Edge, as soon as they're done, you're going to see Paul Heyman's eyes pop out of his head when his old consultant, Brock Lesnar, makes his entrance. And I don't think it's going to be like Cena. I think he's going to run down there and beat the living hell out of Roman Reigns, and that's going to be your next potential feud going forward. But either way, I think Roman's winning against John Cena. 
and for the listeners out there, the reason that I'm so heavy on Lesnar showing up at this pay-per-view, one, it's in Las Vegas, which is a fight city, and two, there's that boxing event right after, so this would be a good time to pull the trigger to pop that crowd with Lesnar being there, so. And someone showed up over on AEW that kind of probably pissed Vince off a little bit. <laughs> yes, there, there you go. Um, this was a, this match is going to be great. I'm excited to see what they come up with because you have two great minds for wrestling. Um, John Cena has put together great matches. He calls a lot of shit in the ring. But also, you know, Paul Heyman is going to have shit for Roman. Like, Roman's matches have been so much better since he's been with Paul. <laughs> I'm assuming this is going to be a really, really great match. And like I said, it could be the match of the night if John Cena really turns on the Jets. Like, if he goes out there and gives you, like, the same level of performance he did with with Owens or with AJ Styles, this could be the match of the night. It just it really just depends on, um, on the storytelling. Uh, I do think Roman is going to retain here, and they're going to continue to try to build that WrestleMania match against him and The Rock. I just, I don't know how you get there. I think last week when I talked about this, I said maybe that's how you use Big E is he is a transitional person or he gets the title from Roman because Roman is going to be tied up with The Rock. And I don't necessarily know you want The Rock to win the Rumble again and then <laughs> wrestle at Mania that way because that just takes away a spot, you know, for, for a different story that you could tell. Um, so, I mean, that's why I, I think, you know, if Lesnar shows up, it'll probably be with Lashley. But it's all... But, it's all but if Lesnar does show up, what do you think Paul Heyman's uh, facial expression is going to look like? He's going to lose his fucking mind, but you also could get the awkward conversation with Paul just in a vignette or something backstage <laughs> after he destroys everybody. And he, he's like, good luck on your match, Roman. <laughs> You know, like you could get some really cool interaction there. But my guess would be that Paul just does both shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, as long as they're not together, it doesn't matter. If they're, if Brock and, and Roman aren't on the same roster, it's not really going to matter. And then you could also tell a little bit of that story if you wanted to do something at, say, uh, Survivor Series. Where they're on separate teams or, you know, something to that effect. But uh I don't know. It's interesting. I think this. I think this is going to be a really, really good match. I'm excited to see Cena back. I think they've killed it on the promos and promoting this match. And I, I'll give a shout out even to WWE social media. They have been pumping the shit out of John Cena winning titles to to try to build that believability of like, oh, he might actually pull this off. Because like, if you look at their Facebook page, it's like all fucking Cena matches right now. So they've done a good job of pumping pumping up the anticipation. I think. All right, well, let's move on to what's happening tomorrow night. Very weird switch uh, with NXT TakeOver 36. And yes, there, this, there is a dark cloud around this because, well, for one, we could lose two of the biggest wrestlers on there if they don't, uh, you know, decide to sign back. We're going to find a lot out in the next week with Adam Colbebe and the bruiserweight Pete Dunne of whether or not they decide to stay with the company. Uh, either way, I think Adam Cole will be if he does stay, going to either Raw or SmackDown, whether that's a good idea or not, is whatever. But yeah, this last uh, NXT and, and the one before that with the news, it was kind of hard. Uh, they were in Vegas doing some recruitment. Uh, Paul, and also now as basically his head coach, 
and um, his uh, head guy for um, oh man, uh, why can't I think of this? Uh, what Joe Briscoe did, uh, going around and finding talent, a recruiter. Um, Samoa Joe was there, and there was actually Paul talked about an incident where they were doing some tryouts, and Samoa Joe kind of pulled what it seemed like Triple H did with the Tough Enough crew in the first season, and kind of let them have it a little bit, and you know, droll instructor mode. And that's going to be his job. Uh, they talked about that, Joe and Hunter, before he got fired. Uh, that was something that he wanted Joe to do no matter what, was when he was ready, come to NXT, help him recruit, and build the future, basically. And it looks like Samoa Joe is going to still stay wrestling for a while. Uh, they both got asked about the new direction, and they both kind of handled it defensively in a way. But, you know, I don't expect them not to. Triple H isn't going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm really pissed off that fucking Vince is trying to come in here and change everything up. But, you know, they both said there's been different time periods in NXT with different talent. And now they're going for a certain type. Uh, they have a bunch of great uh, wrestlers that, you know, a lot of PR work, basically. Um they have a lot of great wrestlers that were indie wrestlers beforehand, but they want to try to find some young talent that are athletes that they can mold into superstars that they see potential in. So that's what they were there for. And uh, all in all, it wasn't the same media scrum you usually have for NXT. It wasn't 30 minutes. Paul didn't sound super excited. He, he definitely looked a little bit more, because it was in person, a little more exhausted, honestly. Uh, it's supposed to be at the Capitol Wrestling Center, but they were in Vegas. So I'm hoping they changed their mind because... I want it in a like that was the one thing about takeovers was it was always at either the venue or a venue that was pretty big near the big pay-per-view coming up. And I don't want to see it at the Capitol Wrestling Center. But um, I don't know. Before we go into the show itself, do you have any have any uh, comments about the media scrums or now Samoa Joe being basically a traveling recruiter for NXT uh, developmental for future WWE wrestlers. I mean, I think that's a great utilization of Joe. And if that's what they brought him back for, that's a, that's a great way to use Samoa Joe. And also he can carry the title and he can help you train. I mean, if, if you're going to use Samoa Joe, that is a great way to use it. Um, the, the big thing I got out of this press conference is, holy shit, I would love to see a Triple H Samoa Joe match. <laughs> Honestly, which I, yeah, I think that would be great. But um, yeah, they have, changes they're also changing the set that's why they did the plexiglass spot um on the tuesday nxt show they're going to take that down and they're going to make it more colorful because they think the show is too dark but they uh from what alvarez was saying they have to record three episodes before they can switch to that so be on the lookout for that when they say they're updating nxt they mean like a lot of updating so not just roster wise it seems like they're also going to change the look of the show which, um, I don't know. I mean, NXT always, to me, that's one thing that was cool about NXT is it kind of had like a almost a noir feel with the way their stage and crowd looked, and especially when they were at full sale. Um, but yeah, it's cool, and, and I'm glad that Joe's in that situation. I, it's probably a really weird text mes- message uh, conversation right now with CM Punk and Samoa Joe, though, because, I mean, it's opposite side of the spectrums. Absolutely, but you know, whatever they, whoever they find, whatever they decide to do, I'm hoping that you know it's 
I just don't want to. I don't want Hunter to get screwed in all this. I don't want NXT to be completely evaporated, and I don't want the wrestlers that have been there for a long time. Your Champas, you know, all the members of the Undisputed Era, your Johnny Gargano's, to kind of get, or even, I mean, they're the same. They're about the, They're the same age as them. Uh, you know, whether it be uh, um, Elephantasma, I can't remember right now for the life of me his his name. Uh, Santos Escobar. Um, or even a fucking Shane Strickland. Like, I, I don't want them to be pushed out because of Vince's new way. I hope that what they're now looking for to add in is this element, and they have a bunch in the pipeline already that they're trying to get ready, uh, that, you know, it's not, all right, out with the old, in with the new. That's the only thing that I'm kind of worried about, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a slow transition regardless because you have to still put on a good show. I mean, that was part of the problem with some of the OVW and FCW stuff is they transition people so quickly they never could really build a storyline. Um, that And Jim Cornette's bitched about this a zillion times on this podcast, so you can just go listen to any of those. But, I've never uh, heard him say anything about it. <laughs> about OVW? <laughs> <laughs> God but, damn. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, all, all kidding aside, it's 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 an interest. It's going to be an interesting year because I'm still not completely convinced. And we've talked about this a bazillion times. So I'm not going to drive it into the ground that they're not just trying to sell the company, which if they're trying to sell the company, it doesn't really matter what Vince is saying right now. Anyways, um, to me, if you wanted to do something completely different. I maybe would. If I'm Triple H, maybe you have Gabe Sapolsky book the shows and try to do something actually different. Because uh, Gabe was supposed to be getting his own fucking show to book and produce. And maybe that will still happen. And this is a question I, I really should pose to Dave Meltzer. Because NBC owns the WWE Network, could they potentially produce their own content? Because if they could produce their own wrestling show and put Gabe Sapolsky over it and take some of these guys that they don't necessarily want in NXT developmental, I think they could come up with a really, really good one-hour show. That's a good point. Um, let's hope to see something like that happen. But uh, let's go into some of these matches, man. Uh, this is the pre-show match. I don't even know who Trey ba- Baxter is, but he's going against a returning Ridge Holland. And I think we know how... Hunter feels about Rich Holland. I mean, he's fucking looks like he's made out of granite British dude. He's going to destroy him. So that's going to be your uh, opening match. Do you see anything else happening, Chris? No, Rich Holland is going to absolutely, absolutely tear this guy apart. I feel bad for, I don't even know who he's facing. I can't, what was his name again? Trey Baxter. It doesn't matter what his name is. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Uh, Uh, He's going to kill him. And I like Rich Holland a lot. So I'm glad that he is back. He kind of just had that. He's he's the one that had that. He did a top. He launched himself over the top rope and kind of landed awkwardly on his leg, right? Yeah, he fucking just like completely tweaked his knee. It was pretty gross. It was it was gross. So I'm glad to see him back because I thought he looked like a million bucks when he was there before the injury. I'm excited. That's that's a guy you can definitely push against some of your other big guys like. Uh, well, if Karrion Cross is leaving, that's not an option. But you can, you know, Dexter Loomis or Samoa Joe, et cetera. I think that's someone you can build around. Maybe even in someone like a Volter or Ilya Dragunov, this would be a good guy. Because 
if he's from the UK, he could also go work in NXT UK and, and come back and work in the NXT year. Shit you can do with Rich Holland. I agree. All right, next match for the Million Dollar Championship. And if Grime loses, DiBiase must become Knight's butler. LA Knight, the champion, going against Cameron Grimes with Ted DiBiase in his corner. I don't know. I could be completely wrong about this. This is my prediction. Um, LA Knight's going to win. It's because Ted DiBiase maybe low blows Cameron Grimes during the match. He gets the win. There's no stipulation because Ted was in it the whole entire fucking time. He just took like a hit or two from, you know, uh, L.A. Knight to sell it because this is Ted DiBiase. Do we really want babyface Ted DiBiase? It's kind of like babyface Jake Snake Roberts. To me, it doesn't work. And Ted's been slipping on his lines. Maybe if he was a heel again, it would help him out. I don't really know, but I just feel like the, the story needs to continue where Cameron Grimes has been being built, not just as a silly heel and then a kind of a silly jokey baby face, but as a credible baby face who's had to go through a lot. He keeps on losing. It's not really his fault per se. There's a lot of cheating involved. So I think that this is another way of doing it. I think Cameron Grimes can go on when I don't think he needs to get that fucking title belt. I think it helps out LA Knight more so than it's going to help out Cameron Grimes. So I think LA Knight's going to win due to Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase will align himself with LA Knight and Cameron Grimes, the babyface, will have to continue to crawl to get his win back. That's my prediction. I agree with you. I, I think that LA Knight's going to win here. I, If you want to do some kind of cool manager tie-in, bring back Michael PSAs and put him with Cameron Grimes. It'd be fucking hilarious. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And also, if they get Virgil involved in this match, I will. Uh, there will be added points for me, <laughs> just just for the story. Well, I mean, the only reason I say Michael PSAs is because they've had the awkward interactions with Cameron Grimes and him in the past. <laughs> Remember, it was like, yeah, yeah. rednecks or whatever to Michael PSAs. Maybe, it, maybe, uh, maybe if uh, PS doesn't do it, uh, uh, the boogie woogie man who used to. Uh, you know, go back and forth with Ted DiBiase way before WWE will come and represent Cameron Grimes a little bit. I don't know. Do something fucking weird. Michael P.S. Pays, you know, Jimmy Garvin, whoever. <laughs> Jimmy Garvin. Now, that would be a tall. Dude, if you get the boogie woogie man helping out Cameron Grimes, he used to have a rivalry with Ted DiBiase. I think him and his brother used to go against him and um, I forgot who his tag team partner was back in the early 80s. It doesn't matter. But Ted as a heel with L.A. Knight and then either Michael P.S. Hayes, who makes a lot of sense, or Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Oh, man, give me that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I would be down for that. I just don't know that, <laughs> that most of the NXT fans will even know who Valiant is, unfortunately. You, you would have you would have to do P.S. Hayes. I love that idea, though. That 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 makes a lot of sense. It would be really, it would just be really, really funny to to see that interaction. But Cameron Grimes, I mean, he doesn't really need, he doesn't need this belt, and he doesn't really need a manager. He's doing fine just as being Cameron Grimes, which is easily the best thing on NXT right now. Agreed. All right, um, let's go over this, and then this might be the. I, I don't know if it will. I, I feel like you put the championship match on last. Two out of three fall. Fall one traditional wrestling, uh, made by Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, fall two, street fight made by Adam Cole, and if necessary, by William Regal, no bullshit, steel cage match, which obviously it's going to go all the way there. This is going to be the longest match. 
I've cared less and less of this rivalry, but this is definitely the end. Uh, I mean, they're going to get up. They're both going to get a win. They'll be tied, and then it'll be a sixth win within the cage match itself. And um, here's the thing. This is going to read the future, I feel like. If Adam Cole wins, he can go on to the main product, and that's just how it is. If he loses, I feel like he might be leaving NXT and WWE in general. Ooh. I don't know, man, because they like people to lose before they go to the main roster on this show for whatever reason. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, my 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 only problem with this is that third stipulation. If they set up a cage, they're gonna do a fucking cage match. That's a lot of work. You gotta hang it from the ceiling and shit. And um, yeah, I, it's obviously going to that. And as soon as they said that, I was like, well, now you you took away part of the story that they would be able to tell. I'm sure it's going to be a really good match. I think they've done a they've done this into the ground, so I don't really care about it, but it's Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. They'll have a really good match. It'll be fun. If if you just look at it as a match, a performance in in, in the ring as opposed to like any kind of story they're going to tell. Um I'm assuming Adam Cole is gone after this. Me too would make me think i mean if you know he's gonna go you don't even get to that third match you hang the fucking cage and you have kyle o'reilly beat him and beat him twice in a row <laughs> and then you maybe just, man um but i he, you know he hasn't confirmed or denied anything as far as i'm aware we haven't heard anything else about the contract so maybe even wwe doesn't know and that makes booking that finish a lot weirder i'm sure all right, we've got Raquel Gonzalez, the women's champion, going against Dakota Kai. Both these ladies have been rumored, and I, I believe Dakota Kai actually was on main event and in the back at either Raw and SmackDown recently. Both of them have rumored that they're going to be going up soon. Um, I'm going to go with Raquel Gonzalez. I, don't, I think she should keep on winning I, because I don't think she's had a long enough run. Plain and simple, especially if Dakota Kai has been the person that's been on main event and stuff on the main product as of lately. Yeah, I think you keep it with Raquel as well. Um, I don't know. I, Dakota Kai on the main roster is interesting. I, I just don't know what they would do with her. But Me neither. It, it makes a lot of sense that Raquel would retain here, honestly. All right, so the two matches I'm looking forward to the most. Let's go over the one that I think is going to be the match of the night and possibly the match of the weekend. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the UK championship. Walter is the modern longest reigning champion uh, with his belt. Um, I think Ilya is going to finally win. I think that Walter will be dethroned. And I think this will lead to Ilya versus Pete Dunne since Pete Dunne got a win on him when Walter distracted him a couple weeks ago on NXT. So I know that's really fucking crazy, but I also kind of want if Walter's going to stick around for a little while, you know, they were, they asked Samoa Joe about potential of him and Walter and he kind of like ducked and dodged Walter going after fucking Samoa Joe for the NXT championship sounds like a lot of fun. So even though I love Walter with that belt, give it to Ilya. I think he's worked his fucking ass off. And him and Pete Dunne would have an awesome feud. And if that means that Walter gets to move on to other things, possibly Samoa Joe, 
with the NXT Championship. Yeah, I'm down for that. I, I like your idea, but I still think Valter is going to win this match. <laughs> I feel like he's going to continue his path of destruction, and that may lead to him versus Pete Dunne, and then potentially a champion versus champion match against Samoa Joe if they want to go that route later on. But I, I don't know. They, they totally I, could. I just, I mean, do you really want to just kind of have him lose right after having him brought back on, on your first takeover? especially with the undefeated streak he has. It just, to me, all signs point to Walter is about to chop the shit out of this guy and win the match. That's, but what you put out makes a lot of sense too. If, if they want the UK title to be on someone else. Um, the hell was I going to say? So and there's also the aspect that Imperium might get involved. Yeah, I, you might be right. Um, I may be crazy, but I might just be that lunatic. You're looking. Never mind. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I just want Walter versus Mojo. But you, like you said, you could still do a championship championship match. But the last match, Karrion Cross, the NXT champion, with Scarlet in his corner going against Samoa Joe. Um. I love some of the shit talk Samoa Joe said at the media scrums. They asked him about, you know, the fact that that uh, crosses on both Raw doing what he's doing and with him. And Samoa Joe's like, yeah, he's really doing really well on Raw. You know, Jeff Hardy already softened him up for me, like sort of shit. Like, you know, I'm going to kick his ass. I think Samoa Joe is winning. I think Karrion Cross is going full time. Um, I don't know really why Scarlett's been out, but I hope that that means that if he is on Raw, but it ha- that was confirmed by someone that she will definitely be in his corner. So quote me in semi-messages of, of anger if that doesn't happen. But maybe she'll be showing up with him soon. Uh, Jim Cornette said something that someone else said that knows Vince. That some of the, the reasons why Killer Cross might be having issues is that Scarlet comes into the picture on Raw and gets him back on track. That's something that Vince likes to do and has liked to do since the uh, early 90s. So that is a possibility. But uh, Karen Cross, he's going bye-bye, Samoa Joe, and going night-night. And Samoa Joe is going to be the champion, and we'll have some fucking awesome matches. Yep, I agree with you. I think it's gonna Joe is going to kill you. Um, he's going to win this match, and Karrion Cross will move on to what should be greener pastures of, or the other side of the fence where the grass is supposed to be greener on the main roster. The Scarlet thing they need to figure out though, because the NXT audience was cheering for her <laughs> during his match. Yep. Uh, which is not a good look if you're WWE. They they want those two together, and part taking her away kind of killed his character quite a bit for me, honestly. All right, we're ready to get into some AEW stuff. I don't have um, had it made nine hundred seventy-nine thousand last week. I don't know what they are up this week on AEW Dynamite. I'll try to find that information at some point, but it was uh, it was below a million, and basically, from what Alvarez was saying, because of the Afghanistan stuff that was going on, yeah, news channels like demolished uh, a lot of ratings on TV in general. 
Um, like for instance, I think it was like Tucker Carlson had like 18 million people watching him. So they were obviously affected by that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right. But we started with a match that was kind of, I don't know. Uh, it looked like it was going to be John Moxley and Eddie Kingston against someone, but they got jumped by Daniel Garcia and 2.0, formerly Ever Rise, within the uh, audience. And um, they took out John Moxley's leg, which would play into what happened on ma- uh, his match against Garcia, um, which we'll talk about on, on Rampage. But um, 2.0 said, hey, we took out these guys. We're not scared of you. I love it. They're, because they're from Montreal, they just kind of remind me of the Quebecers, man, or La Resistance. It's that 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 uh, that arrogance the, and, you know, the accent all at the same time. And I'm just glad, I, I, you know, hearing these guys, they were on Keeping It 100. They were on uh, Chris Jericho's podcast. Uh, they get fired from NXT. A month later, now they're hired on AEW. And, yes, they do look like the doofy version of the Young Bucks, but – I think that that's going to be a fun, you know, tag team. And they did a great job uh, feeding for Sting and Darby throughout this match. I loved it when Darby and Sting came out automatically. They're just, you know, they go after him. Uh, Darby and Sting exchange, uh, you know, a scorpion death splash. And Darby's like basically cannonball uh, and do it twice. And then it's going everywhere. They're fighting in the audience. I think we should get to the the spot of contention, if you will, Chris, um, in which both members of 2.0 grabbed Sting, who's 62 years old, and put him through one of the tables, and then not even five seconds later, Sting's up, chopping his chest, Darby distracts him, Sting grabs them both in the Scorpion Death Drop, stacks their ass, puts them in the Stinger Death Lock, both guys tap out simultaneously. Uh, This match was fun, great way to start out, and I'm sorry. I'm like I agree with Bully Ray. I, I agree with a lot of fucking people. This is Sting. I understand he is 62. The man has taken fucking uh, guitar shots from Jeff Jarrett to the head. Didn't even get down and do the same exact thing. He's taken baseball bats to the face and done the same exact thing. This is his Hulk up, if you will. Warrior had a similar way of doing it. Taker did as well. It's just something that Sting does. And my also, my perception on this, if a 62-year-old man can get put through a fucking table and get up shortly after that, that means it happened in real life. So I didn't have a problem with this. I know that some people did. I thought this match was so much fun. I love that Sting comes out, gets a ridiculous um, reaction from the audience, but Darby comes right behind him and gets even a louder one. So this relationship really has benefited you know, Darby, and I loved seeing them, you know, the week before and also on Friday with the CM Punk um, section of the show up in the uh, up in the, uh, the, the 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 tops of the arena, just looking down and watching what's going on like Sting used to do. I, I, I think it's and actually what Darby was doing for a while before Sting got there. Um, I just think that this partnership has worked out and I thought Sting looked great in the ring. I thought. I, I didn't have a problem with this match at all, if you can't tell, Chris. This was a lot of fun. This might not have been the best technically savvy match, but I, it was the funnest match I saw all week. But I, I don't even understand why people are so surprised or 
I mean, did they not watch the matches that Sting and Darby had with Taz's group? Like, Sting was doing the same kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't understand why it became a point of contention. Uh, I like this match a lot. I thought it was a, a hell of a lot of fun. It's Sting and Darby versus 2.0, who they haven't completely built up yet anyways. I don't, I don't think it hurt anything at all. And it, it was just, it was a really, really fun match. I liked the, uh, the skateboard spot where Darby got suplexed onto the skateboard wheels up. Oh, that was a, that was a cool spot. I mean, and anytime Sting is doing Stinger splashes and putting on the Stinger Deathlock, I'm going to be a, a huge mark. So I, I mean, I loved this. I, it was my favorite thing on the show. <laughs> so. I'm kind of the opposite of, I guess, the people that were pissed off about that table spot. I would just remind people that, you know, there's a reason why Sting and, and Taker were linked together for so long. There's a lot of similarities, especially when you're talking about Crow Sting. Um, like you said, with some no-selling and things of that nature. So two geeks putting Sting through a table, I, I would expect him to maybe no-sell that. I mean, I just saw recently, it was on Impact uh, Replay, where Sting comes out, Jarrett nails him in the fucking head with a guitar. I'm sure he gigged it a little bit, but still. Hits him in the head with a guitar. The guitar falls off Sting's head. He's bleeding a little bit, and he just doesn't even go down. He just fucking does the Tarzan call. I mean, that's Sting, right? I mean, I, I don't... I mean, that's always been Sting. He always did kind of the Hulk up thing that Hulk Hogan did. I mean, he's always had moments and matches where he would no sell stuff. So like him going through a table and popping right back up. I Maybe these are just new wrestling fans and they haven't really dug back into Sting or something. I, I don't know, because everyone else that like anyone that's been a longtime fan of Sting, there's like, well, yeah, that's Sting. I think people should be more worried about the fact, like, and I'm surprised this wasn't the thing that was all over the internet, is the fact that the dude's got spinal stenosis and went through a fucking table. But Sting's going to do what he wants to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sting is, uh, I mean, we a couple of years ago, we never thought Sting would ever wrestle again. So no, let the man do whatever the hell he wants to do. Stop fucking bitching about i mean does it really matter it's a match against 2.0 i can see you getting pissed off if sting was in there with kenny omega and he took a one-winged angel through a table and set right up or something this is not these are not the same things to be angry about you get what i'm saying if that makes sense <laughs> absolutely man um next match up we had sammy guevara going against sean spears big rivalry that basically came to an end tonight uh, before they showed earlier in the evening, before the show came on, Sammy asked his uh, beautiful girlfriend, Pam, to marry him. And she said yes. And it was a big celebration in his hometown. Um, I thought it was funny. Gabby Laspiza that works for um, Busted Open, she's one of the DJs on that. She was like, um, contrary to mo what most men might find romantic, public uh, engagements you know, are terrifying. It might not work out for you too well. And I actually have seen compilations, usually at baseball games, of guys doing it. In one case, the women started crying and ran the fuck out of the goddamn place. So, uh, yeah, I agree. But obviously, I think Sammy was pretty confident in the situation. They've been together for years, and I thought it was cute, nice, and uh, a good way to – a precursor to this match that he had with Sean. Also, it's wrestling, so he could have already proposed like three weeks ago. That's a good point. 
<laughs> it's 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 a work it's a work boys uh no yeah I, but those compilations are funny i've seen those as well i mean funny in kind of a sad way um sammy guevara has has gotten so fucking over since that what was it that the war games match i think yep. like his stock after that match has risen so fucking high. And we always kind of knew that that, that might be the case, but man, the, this crowd, these AEW fans fucking love this guy. And uh, so do I, I love Sammy Guevara. I think there's a lot they can do with him. In fact, uh, I'm a little more bullish on maybe he's the person you should be pushing and not necessarily jungle boy, but uh, you know, teach their own, I guess. Now, Sammy's incredible. And the fact that he's, you know, been, with Jericho for so long and Jericho has taken him underneath his wing. I think has helped him out really well too. Hey, I'm going to say in this match, man, say what you want about Sean Spears. He might not be the flashiest character. He's still a damn good worker. And for his size, some of the stuff that Sammy had him doing in this match was absolutely fucking ridiculous. I would not want to go through that steel um, garter or whatever the hell it was. That looked gnarly as shit. Uh, he got a cutter off the top rope. Uh, you know, I mean, he right, went, he he dented that steel and then went right in the ring. And I think a lot of people's problem was uh, Sammy doing a 7:30. By the way, and of course he didn't mean to, but any anything like that, Ricochet does the same move. You're supposed to just like a swan time bomb. And obviously Jeff's had issues with this as of lately, kind of ending up on your ass with your back you know, kind of coming on top of a little bit of the stomach uh, of the uh, person you're doing that against. Sammy fell right the fuck on him. He looked like he fell right on his ribs. And then after that, gave him some knees. And unfortunately, Sean got one of them to the head, started bleeding everywhere. So it was it, it added to the element of the match. But I think that the 630 should have been it, honestly. And I feel, or the uh, set, whatever the fuck it was, the added little thing that Ricochet does. Um, that should have been the end. But they went on for a little while longer. That's my only problem with it. But brutal fucking match. Uh, good stuff back and forth. And at the end of it, Sammy looked at Sean said, that's it. So hopefully that's signifying the end of their rivalry. Because it looks like that's done. It looks like Jack and fucking Wardlow's done. Um, I don't know. It looks maybe we'll talk about it when it comes up. Jericho and MJF might be done. Uh, like I said, Jericho is going on tour at the end of this month with Fozzie. So I can't see him staying around even for All Out, but I could be wrong. And then uh, something they ca- they had to pause it because of the injury that Cash sustained. He almost fucking pulled out his muscles, his muscle tendons uh, from that cut that he got. But I think they're trying to get it so that, you know, it's it's one and one between them and, and um, whatchamacallit, uh, not LAX, but um, I'll just say LAX for right now. I can't remember what the fuck they're called. Prime Powerful. Powerful, yeah. At the, so the, their their blow-off match will be at the pay-per-view. So maybe we're getting something with Jericho and MJF. I don't know, but it seems like Wardlow and, and, and uh, that's done, and this is now done too. But good match. I would have ended it where I said I would have ended it. And Sean looked good in the ring, but took one hell of an ass-kicking. Yeah, he he definitely got fucking squished on the 630. I mean, that's just unfortunate. Shit happens. But yeah, it it looked brutal. 
Um, favorite spot in the match was that top rope cutter. I mean, they went a bazillion <laughs> feet in the air to do that spot for some reason, and it looked insane. Uh, I like Sammy Guevara a lot. I like the stuff at the beginning of the match with Tully, with the stuffed pile driver, um, and then him getting tossed. It's going to be an interesting dynamic between him and Sean Spears. I think that's something to maybe keep an eye on um, going forward. But this was a really, really fun match all around. Uh, And like you said, with the finish, I mean, you hit him with a top rope cutter. And then, you know, later on, you hit a Death Valley driver and then a 630 centon. Like the guy should be dead at that point anyway. (laughs) So maybe they continued it a little bit too far, but if they were going for, which I don't know that Guevara actually cut him. I need to go back and watch it because it it could be that Sean did a blade job, but this is to me, this signifies definitely the end of this fucking rivalry. It was, it was hard way, unfortunately, because I even went back and watched after I was, you know, listened about it. And if you watch those knees, he just accidentally connects him right in the fucking head with one of them. And that, that definitely split him open right at the end. But it was a cool, it was a cool visual. Yeah, and I think that works out if that is if this is the true end to that feud. It it it's one of those things that it's an accident, but it works out okay. <laughs> um, maybe not for Sean Spears and and Sammy. Maybe dialed his knees back if that's the case. So if we look at this ending war to the pinnacle, even though and and the uh, and and Jericho's group, you know, even though it's gone on way too fucking long, it seems like. If we look at it now, MJF won his side, and until they continue, which they plan on between Prime Powerful and FTR, FTR won the match against uh, Prime Powerful, so they both got wins. But then Jake Hager lost to Wardlow. No, Wardlow beat, or or Jake Hager beat Wardlow in the cage thing, didn't he? It's been a while. That was a few weeks ago. I don't. I don't... I think so. I think that was the case. Yeah, because the, the the story was it was supposed to be more like an MMA match. So Hager had the advantage and, and ended up winning. So um, Hager won that one and Sammy won this one. So we're two and two. The ones that what's that? I was said like that one was also a little weird because you got interference with Jericho, MJF and Sammy Guevara and someone else during that match. Or around that match, I think. So, I don't know. That stuff all is running together because they've been doing this storyline for 100 years. And even though I think we're going to get an extension, especially with the tag match, because that's what they want to do. Um, as of right now, it's two and two. So, the two that lost on the bad guy side of the, uh, you know, of the pinnacle, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised, and they've already kind of shown it, if Wardlow and Sean Spears are odd men out after this whole entire thing and uh, Pinnacle maybe grabs another person, but uh, it just seems like everything with Wardlow and, and MJF, it's it's looking like they're, they're going to pull that trigger finally and Sean Spears constantly loses. Yeah, and, and they, they've played that out really well with, with MJF when like specifically that Wardlow Jericho match, he's, he's like, yeah, like, you know, like the time you told me you're going to beat Cody in the cage, right? <laughs> like, you know, he's been taking digs at him. So that, that does make sense of maybe Wardlow is an odd man out and Sean Spears has lost a fuck ton of matches. So he could also be an odd man out. So that, that makes a lot of sense. My assumption is this just leads to MJF versus Sammy Guevara as the finality of this thing since MJF. Oh yeah. 
MJF beats Jericho later in the show. Spoiler alert. Um, Spoiler. That that's my uh, that's my guess of where they're going is that's Sammy's big match and maybe the chance to make things even because I think FTR is probably going to be pride and powerful. Yep. So the the end of the feud could potentially just be Sammy Guevara beats he does what Jericho can't do and he beats MJF and you know they can they can continue to feud just as those two but I I think everything else should be squashed. All right, so uh, next up we have off we have uh, Mr. Dan Lambert channeling his inner Jim Cornette, as stated by Forbes on this article. So, so many people have said the same thing. Uh, he had Andre Arlarski and Junior Dos Santos. If you guys aren't big UFC fans, I mean the werewolf Arlarski was huge years ago, uh, wrecking people like Tim Sylvia uh, back in I don't know 2007. I would say 2006 era UFC. Part of his gym. Junior Dos Santos, big heavyweight as of recently. Also part of his gym. Dan ran down everything about it. Um, and then would have Lance Archer come out. But the men of the year, for some reason, attacked Lance Archer. So I'm not 100% sure. Um, why? <laughs> Scorpio Sky. Uh, and um, oh man, Ethan Page came out and helped them out. I don't really know what the fuck that means. Dan Lambert got obnoxious. He did piss off people online because I saw a lot of people commenting and then other people telling them to like lighten the fuck up, basically. Like he's going for that. You know, he, he mentioned cancel culture and millennials and all those evil words. Um, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. But uh, I thought it was a good segment. Really confused by the ending. Dan Lambert, Minoru Suzuki, you are absolutely right. They needed to do that. And I want to see more from Dan going forward. But uh, he brought, even though I love them because I'm a UFC fan, probably two of the more boring guys. They just look physically imposing. Arlovski looks great, though. He hasn't he hasn't fought in a very long time. So uh, what do you think about all this, Chris? Uh, the promo itself was amazing. So I know it pissed a lot of people off. But he, <laughs> he, said, he said that people were soft and, and super triggered, which was funny. But uh, my favorite line of that promo was, I actually got it here in my notes. He said, uh, AEW is not the answer to your professional wrestling prayers, <laughs> which was pretty great. Uh, and then he said, he went on to say, like, AEW has a full a roster, a bunch of wannabe tough guys who can't wrestle. These fans are only here because it's the only good part of their lives. Oh, digging yeah. in. Yeah, so he cut one hell of a promo, and I'm not surprised that certain people got pissed off, but hey, it's it's a work, pals. <laughs> like, it's okay. I don't think that Dan, Dan Lambert actually hates you guys. Uh, well, maybe he does after the whole Twitter fiasco following, but before then, he probably just was being a character. Um, no, I, I, I like that. I have no idea what they're doing with Lance Archer, and, and less Scorpio Sky is going to be going against him for the that championship. That's a that's a, I don't know where they're going with with that. No, and Lance doesn't even have the belt anymore. Tanahashi beat him. Oh yeah, sorry, uh, I forgot. Damn, we just talked about that too. Um, You're good. Yeah, I don't know. AEW never seems to know what to do with Lance Archer. Like they'll give him a push, and then just have him lose. They'll put him with Jake the Snake and have him be kind of this evil menacing person and then turning baby face. He's like just a weird character that they don't necessarily know what to do with. 
it actually might be good for him to just go to Impact for a while and see if they can figure out what it, what they want to do with Lance Archer. Go and learn a new hold. Go to another territory. Learn a new hold. <laughs> How can I miss you if I always see you? Sort of thing, as uh, JR would say. Yeah, and and this is nothing against Lance Archer's in-ring ability or anything. It's more just the way they've booked him. Like, I don't... I think they don't know what to do with the guy, but they know he's very talented and he puts on good matches. It's almost the, uh, not to the same extent, but it's almost like kind of like the Dolph Ziggler syndrome <laughs> where you want the guy to have good matches with these people, but you don't really know what to do with the character. I'm just kind of hoping Lance ends up tagging with whoever comes and helps him out, if you will, against the two of them. That's taken. I don't know. Maybe Dan comes back. He's got a new dude to go against Lance Archer. He comes out, and maybe it's either Moose, which would be a fun big man match. Um, trying to think of like another guy that's that's pretty big uh, that would make a lot of sense to. Oh, uh, Joe Doring, maybe. I don't know if that would be a boring one for the audience. Didn't mean to rhyme there. Or um, there's this guy Braun Strowman. Don't know where the fuck he's going. That could be a big AEW match at All Out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know necessarily for all out, but there's, I mean, there's potential. You could, like you were saying, if you put, if you want to put Bray with Jake the Snake, you could still have the Murder Hawk be part of that, and maybe bring in Rowan and create a new, like, murder faction. You know, I, w- I wasn't gonna bring up my second ridiculous booking idea that I thought of when I might have been under the influence of marijuana on here until you said that, but. If Bray does position himself in here, and I'll just say that, you know, past October, he does come in. I want it to be like a slow burn of what he's doing. And I think they should let him do something new, but combine aspects of both the family thing dynamic that he had, not from the bayous like he used to, and also the fiend. You know, I don't think he can do anything like the Firefly Funhouse anymore. And at the beginning, it was a lot of fun and kind of tongue in cheek. Now so much, I don't see that really working well or being able to be replicated. But if you had Jake Roberts come out and and go off on Lance Archer and say, you know, um, you are a beast, you are a monster, let Jake get more sinister. But I have someone that I'm working for now that sees something in you also, but you need to be changed or whatever. And then he gets blindsided by these two humongous dudes in the ring and they pull off their masks. One's Braun Strowman, one's Eric Rowan, and they fucking drag Lance Archer to wherever. A we, couple weeks go by, and then Bray's introduced with Jake Roberts kind of as his, his not his manager, but something like that. Whatever version of Bray and these three huge monsters back behind him. You could even put Bo Dallas, who just uh, admitted that he's definitely not done with wrestling, um, in there if you wanted to, or maybe an Abaddon. And just do something fucking weird with that. Be interesting. I'll just say that. But I might have been under the influence of of too much um, marijuana. I'll just admit that. No, but those are all good ideas and and fun things. I I was saying you could even have Lance Archer be Bray's enforcer. And if you want to add aspects to the Fiend, you know, you could have normal Bray. Then if he's going to do the Kabuki mask thing or the Kabuki demon mask, like... Maybe that's when he snaps. It has to be that guy, but you have to get through like Rowan and 
Lance Archer or whatever. I guess it just depends on what plans they have for Lance Archer. But a feud between those two would also be really fun with uh, Jake in the mix. So I, I love that idea. We'll have to wait to see what happens. But, uh, you know, also going back to Braun, there's nothing saying that Braun's definitely going back to WWE. Uh, and now with his best friend who got fired also with Bray Wyatt. Maybe he shows up and he's Dan Lambert's backing him up and now it's going to be him versus Lance Archer or something. I don't know. They can do a lot of cool stuff. So, uh, all right. Young Bucks, Jurassic Express, good tag match. Once again, I know at least they tried to distract the fucking referee, but it took way too long. So it took me out of the match a bit to set it up. But I love how they kind of had us thinking that since Kenny lost this way, that the Bucks were also going to lose this way too, and that inevitably did not happen. I I don't know how you feel, Chris, but I really don't like the double knee to the face thing. I think it always just looks like shit. Uh, I, I know why they're not doing the Metzler driver, because their baby, that's like their baby face move, but I don't know. They did the indie taker, so what the fuck's really the difference between that and another flip? I mean, whatever. Um... But Young Bucks win. Rick Knox, terrible referee. Fun, exciting match. And it looks like after advancing, Jurassic Express still has a chance to get in that cage match. I'll just put it... Well, we'll talk about that, the stipulation for the match at All Out. But what did you think about the match itself? I thought it was a good match. It's... I, the the more surprising thing to me is that they had Jungle Boy take the pin here instead of Luchasaurus, right? But yeah, agreed. Out, outside of that, I thought it was a really good match. And um, I'm assuming that Jurassic Express or Jurassic Express is going to win those titles. That's my guess, but I don't, I don't know. I never know what they're doing with the Bucks. I, I'm kind of over the Young Bucks right now in its current iteration. All right, so later on it was uh, announced that basically the Young Bucks, uh, since all the shenanigans always happen with the Elite interfering and also their uh, bitch boy, Brandon Cutler, uh, they're going to have a cage match at All Out, and there was going to be two sets of matches, uh, one with Private Party going against, um, and we'll talk about this match, uh, against uh, the Jungle Boy and um, Luchasaurus, um, and they ended up winning that one, so they're moving on to the finals, and the other one against the Varsity Blondes and the Lucha Brothers. Uh, I mean, and also Young Bucks weren't happy, basically, by this decision, so Toy Shivani let them know, and they were very, very angry about it, but, um, I really think it's going to be Lucha Brothers against, uh, the Young Bucks in the cage, because they haven't done a lot with them. Jungle Boy and freaking Luchasaurus just lost. Um, can't say clean, but they took advantage of the fucking chair and ended up almost winning because of it. So I would think that, you know, they lost. So it would be a good hot match. Either the varsity, I don't, maybe they would do that. If the varsity, um, varsity blondes get in, they're going to lose. But the Lucha Brothers, if they get in, I don't know who's going to win. So I kind of want to watch the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks do some crazy shit in the steel cage. Oh, um, 
I, I like that idea as well. I, I mean, I still think it's going to end up being Jurassic Express. But for the reasons you laid out. They have to win it. Yeah, they would have to win it. I mean, I, we've just seen the Lucha Brothers versus the Bucks a bazillion times. You know, they, they didn't they already have that title match before? No, but I forgot. You're right. Before they had the belts, they had like a million matches between each other at the beginning of uh, AEW. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I they obviously want to push Jungle Boy, so it might be a good time to at least start that process with, with them winning the titles. Does Pillman and Garrison have any chance in hell? I don't think so, but I don't want to take anything away from them as a tag team. It's more just like the situation of AEW has a bazillion really good tag teams. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's I could see them in the future becoming tag champs if they want to stay together. But uh, I, I don't know, necessarily know it's it's their time quite yet. All right, let's keep on moving. And I, I, I tend to agree with you. All right, I, I just have to admit, man, I'm not... I don't care about QT Marshall. Uh, this whole entire situation with Paul White calling him out and they're going to have a match at All Out. I That makes me not care about a Paul White match, honestly. That makes me go, I hope this is him choke slamming him one, two, three to save time. Because I just don't care. If QT contacted Shaquille O'Neal, like I said, which would be a worse work match. I would have more excitement going into if it was Shaq and Big Show. Uh, but that's not happening. That's not the case. So I just don't give a shit. Yeah, I loved your idea from last week when we are talking about this, which would be that. It's that QT Marshall comes out and he's like, I'm injured. I can't wrestle you, but uh, he can. And then you can tie it into him and feud since Shaq and Cody were feuding whatever if you wanted to go that route it's like you said it wouldn't be a great match but at least it would be a spectacle whereas qt versus the big show um big show should just fucking destroy this guy in 10 seconds honestly qt QT marshall is my favorite character in AEW by miles and they have a huge ass roster (laughs) yeah least favorite definitely man i just uh no i don't care all right. That being said, he's a great trainer and seems like he's a really good guy. <laughs> you know, he's a good worker. I just thing. It's just I don't give a shit about that character at all. All right, next match. Uh, I thought this was an awesome uh, women's wrestling match. Just a wrestling match in general, but Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford. Good seeing Penelope Ford back. Yeah, just because Kip Sabian's hurt doesn't mean that you can't use one of your best up and coming female wrestlers, in my opinion. Um. And I think she gets better and better. It's like, who would think that Penelope Ford would be a huge fan of the great Muda? But the springboard fucking um, uh, cartwheel into the corner spot that she does, now she's doing the Muda lock, and she's been winning a lot of matches on Dark with it. Her and Thunder Rosa both have ridiculous records. Thunder Rosa comes out decked in her, her, um, not her native town, but her adopted town uh, within Texas, just with the Texas gear. Gets a great reaction. These ladies beat the living shit out of her. And as I thought would happen, Thunder Rosa got the win. But uh, definitely two of my favorite females in the uh, business, Chris. Or in the, well, yeah, in the business, but also in AEW is what I meant to say. 
yeah, I love Penelope Ford. Uh, her theme song is still a fucking banger, by the way. And um, yeah, I, I wish they would utilize her a little bit more on on the main shows. So hopefully we get to see more of Penelope Ford with after this match. Uh, Thunder Rosa is great. I mean, they're they're obviously going to push her to the title at some point. So her getting a win here didn't bother me at all. But I thought the match itself was really good, man. There's nothing to complain about. Honestly, um, trying to think if there was anything that really stood out. Uh, how many women are using fucking Muda moves, by the way? Just, it's weird. So she's been using the Muda lock because they showed that video package because she's like, I think 11 and 2, but it's been on dark that she's been now winning matches with that. Melina now uses it, but she starts it off as a Muda lock and then rolls around and is on her stomach and then has the person inverted upside down. So well, no, I guess it's a little bit different. Not just just the Muda lock, but just moves known by Muda. Like think about how many get like how many people are using the shining wizard, the shining wizard right now. Like, hey man, KG Muda is one of the best of all time. I mean, he is. It's just it's kind of crazy. Like for someone that didn't ever really have interactions with female wrestling because he was in Japan for most of his career. It, it's it's funny, like just like how people take things from KG like from Muda that you wouldn't expect. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily expect a bunch of female wrestlers to be like, you know, who's fucking awesome Muda, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's incredible that that is happening. Like it's fun to watch. And I love just any, anytime I can have that positive thought of Muda versus sting in my mind. When I see someone pull a, <laughs> a move used by Muda, I'm like, Oh yeah. Fucking love Muda. <laughs> <It's the best. laughs> he is man. Really fucking great. And he's taught so many fucking awesome wrestlers too. Jesus. Oh. Uh, maybe maybe we'll get Muda versus Sting at some point. That would be fun. I would but love that. They're both still he, wrestling. I believe he's still the uh the GHC champion for fucking um was it Pro Wrestling Noah? Whatever Masawa's organization was. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's Pro Wrestling Noah, right? I, I think you're yeah. right on that. My cat wants me to play with her right now. Cat, I'm I'm doing a podcast. My cat keeps laying on my uh, keyboard, so all of my notes are all over the place right now. Don't you love that type of shit? She's like demanding that I like. And it, it, I mean, here's the thing with 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 uh, playing with cats. It ends up with you getting bitten and shit like that because they like to play ridiculously aggressive and for no reason. That's, at least my bitch does. Well, that and when they get tired, they just lay down, but they still want you to play with them. But they only move their paw like three inches. <laughs> That's all, dude. All right, uh, let's get to it. The final labor of Jericho, uh, giving birth this time to <laughs> to uh, which we call it MJF. I mean, until last night, man, one of the coolest moments I've seen with an entrance. Chris Jericho comes in, beginning lyrics, I don't know, they get it at one point, and it's happening the exact same time that the fucking pyro's going off, you know, the whole audience singing his song, he comes in the ring, you could see him, like, I think Dasha went to go announce him, and Chris Jericho kind of, like, stopped her real quick, like, let them, let them feed into it, like, this is the entrance, basically, and... You know, MJF, who was tweeting, like, you better not sing the lyrics to Judas at the thing, like, several times, you know, just building this up. The whole fucking place just going nuts. It was an awesome 
awesome. It, I think the entrance might have been better than the match, Chris. Yeah, the entrance made me so hyped that it 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 did make you just feel like Jericho should win this fucking match. I think if this was like a retirement match, then it it would have to me would have been a lot higher of like as far as the quality of the match itself. There's some really good shit in this match. It almost felt like a retirement match, didn't it? Like that's the way the intro happened, and Jericho looked like he was about to come to tears when the fans were just literally singing his fucking song. Which I understand that. That's like. That's not only the respect they have for you as a professional wrestler, but you wrote that song, so there's another personal connection there. It was really cool, and AEW once again pays off the fucking stipulation because he could have easily came out to some other, you know, song, another Fozzie song or whatever. But instead, they paid off the fucking stipulations. The fans showed up. They sung the shit. There was fans there with the lyrics on signs. <laughs> yeah. People didn't know the lyrics, which I thought was pretty great. I mean, hot crowd. Uh, like I said, they paid off the stiff. MJF has been great the entire time, being like, you motherfuckers better not sing this song. I swear to God. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was good. And I enjoyed the match a lot, too. But I felt like everyone in the building, which is not a bad thing, wanted Jericho to win and thought Jericho was going to win, just based on how they built it. Um, so MJF winning, actually, it didn't, it didn't like make me hate MJF anymore than I, you know, as I, than I already do as a heel. It was just kind of like, kind of felt like Jericho's night. <laughs> you know? uh, so that's the only downside of that match. I think uh, Alvarez and, and Meltzer also kind of had similar sentiments to me on this one. But... My, my big, my biggest problem in the match is that I understand he's a baby face, but it's fucking Chris Jericho. So you're going to tell me that a distraction using a bat is fine, but then when, and I don't know if Aubrey was actually supposed to be looking, and she was just not, but it didn't seem like that, where he tries to go for the Judas effect, no referees fucking looking at him, and then he stops himself. Like, it just kind of seemed silly when you have MJF who gets caught with the ring, gets yelled at by Aubrey, she takes the ring, and then she's paying more attention over there. MJF goes to rush Jericho. Jericho nails him with a fucking... You have no problem nailing him with your fucking baseball bat. But even though you're not supposed to use the Judas effect, you're that much of a baby face where you're going to go buy it and when, when Aubrey's not looking. Like I said, maybe she was supposed to be looking, but Aubrey's really good compared to someone like a Rick Knox. Um, so it didn't make a lot of sense with that. But I did like the transition between... Well, I liked how I liked how he got him in the Boston Crab, the the walls of Jericho. That didn't work. But then when Chris got it on him, you know, he transitioned to it, got the uh, salt of the earth arm breaker. Jericho taps out. JR's like, I don't think I've ever seen Jericho tap out. So it was an interesting moment and a good win for MJF. But that part had me puzzled a little bit. Didn't he tap out to Moxley to lose the title? When JR said that, I was. Wasn't that the finish of the Moxley match? Moxley and the maybe not. Maybe maybe that wasn't the finish. I had to go back. It could be. It could be. I love I love Jr. and he's doing a hell of a lot better, but he kind of tends to slip up a lot. So who knows? That that might also be on me though, because I you know when's the last time I watched the match? But um, no, I thought it was a good match. My one of my my favorite spot in the match for sure was MJF doing the Chris Jericho Japan camera thing. Yeah. Flipping off the crowd. <laughs> and then he looks around, boom, right in the face. 
and that so. that must have been something Chris told him to do because that is a that is a a deep cut for Chris Jericho, but that is something Jericho has done in the past. I really loved it. I thought that was that was a fucking great spot, and uh, I like the finish. Like I said, it just it because there was no stipulation of well Jericho's never wrestling again. Like I said, it almost felt like it needed to be a retirement match with the way that they made Jericho go through all of the shit that he went through to get to this match, and then he loses to MJF, which is yeah, it's fine. Um, that to me just kind of took if that was if there was an added stipulation of like Jericho can never wrestle MJF or or something of that nature, maybe would have drove it home a little bit more, and then you could have built off that in the future with Sammy Guevara, where Jericho's like, you have to avenge me. <laughs> You know, so we don't know what's going on. Like I said, I it was. It's, I'm pretty sure it's the end of this month. I listen to his podcast every week, and he promotes it. Uh, he goes on tour with Fozzie, and that would be during the duration of time, I believe, maybe a date different. I don't know than All Out, but the only thing I could see happening, Chris, do you think that there might be a situation where Jericho says one more fight, MJF, if you beat me? I'm putting my career on the line, and then Jericho beats him at All Out. I, yeah, I mean that's the that, that's what I thought this match was or should have been is like I said, like the career a career match or whatever or some kind of big stipulation. So if they're saving that for All Out, it makes a lot of sense, and maybe that's what they're gonna do. But well. it's good, but you can't have Jericho lose. Like Jericho's not done wrestling, I don't think. No, he's got to win. Yeah. And I don't know how that helps MJF. I feel like MJF needs to be the winner in this battle, this long-term feud. Which is kind of why I wish they would have went with the Cody Rhodes stipulation of, like, what you can't not, not that you can never challenge for the title again. It's like you can never face MJF again or whatever and make that the stip and then actually build the match with him and Sammy because I think that helps MJF and and Sammy more than another MJF Jericho match. All right. Well, let's talk about three other matches on a match last night or on a show last night. I should say that happened after SmackDown. I mean, it was just three matches real quick. Um, all right. I'm, I'll stop fucking around. We'll start off with the beginning of the damn show. It was called the first dance it was in Chicago. Everyone was wondering. <laughs> could, could Tony be like, Worse than Dixie Carter and claim something's going to happen at this giant show. Everyone thinks something's going to happen. And then there's a wet fart. I think Chicago, especially that building because of their reaction, probably would have torn the motherfucker down if, you know, everything rumored did not happen. But uh, it did, you know, intro everyone at the desk. One thing we'll talk about real quick, Chris. So they say Chris Jericho was not there due to, you know, him going through the loss of the match and JR would be sitting in for him. So it looks like I was wrong and I could have sworn that Tony said that that was only going to be a one-time thing, but it looks like Jericho, Mark Henry, Taz, and fucking um, Excalibur will be your commentary team because Jim Ross was there to take Chris Jericho's place. I thought the commentary was better this week than last week. And, and that's nothing against, and, and I still think you don't need four fucking announcers. It's too much. Ideally, I only want two and they continue to shove three down my throat, but yeah. 
I agree with you, man. I completely agree with you. It's way too much. But all right, let's 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 get into the fun, man. I mean, so right after the the open, everyone introduced themselves. You just you heard them the whole entire time. CEM Punk, CEM Punk, CEM Punk. Silent. You know, called personality comes on. The place blew off the fucking roof. I talked to my buddy, uh, Stephen Kowalski, who lives in Chicago. I don't even know if he's that much of a wrestling fan. I could be wrong, but he got, you know, he, he went to that event and he said that it was one of the most electric feelings he's ever felt in his life. Like, it was ridiculous. Just a reaction that that audience gave him. I mean, it's like, <sighs> Chicago might love, and this is a, this is a, uh, <laughs> this is a statement. Chicago might love CM Punk, if not at the same level, more than Memphis loves Jerry, than fucking Toronto loves fucking Brett, more than, and he's not, he's from Winnipeg, for Christ's sake, or not Winnipeg, he's from, um, oh man, I can't think of where the hell Brett's uh, from, but. Alberta, right? Yes, yes, Calgary, Alberta. Well, just anywhere pretty much in Canada because they don't have a major arena from where he is. Um, or or Tanahashi in Tokyo. You know what I'm saying? Like, they fucking blew off the roof. There were men and women both crying throughout the audience. And he comes out, and like he talked about uh, afterwards at the media scrum, like, uh, the emotion level. And he he put this on the same level of this was bigger to him then when he left with the title um, after beating John Cena, only because of everything behind the scenes was so tense and not, you know, that that was a great moment for him, obviously. But this was pure. This was the audience. You could see there was tears in his eyes a bit. You know, as he says, it's clobbering time, comes down to the ring. He's hugging everyone, giving a huge hug to some person over here. Seeing the audience on the other side, jumps into the fucking audience. Security is like, oh shit, trying to dig fucking Phil out of that. Uh, you know, just going around, taking in the, you know, the 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 the, the applause uh, of everything, and uh, you could tell that he was kind of bewildered of the response that he got. And he talked, and um, I thought it was a beautiful promo. He just cut it from. His heart, you know, just going into it. Uh, there is no way that he's going to, at least now, he's going to be able to be a heel. I mean, I guess I was wrong about that. Because the reaction that he got, just to what his attitude for it, uh, you know, he's going to be around for a long time. Uh, you know, he talked about at the media scrum how him and Tony have been talking about this for about two years. And that he compared to he's not... Uh, a bit of a floozy, you know, it takes a couple wine and dines to get him in the bedroom. And that's what they had to go through, basically. And the fact that it's two nights a week and a pay-per-view every once in a while, he wants to be a main person on the show. But it's a schedule that's a hell of a lot more reasonable. He likes what they have built up. And he's excited to be there, man. And uh, he definitely let the audience know. He started off kind of apologizing for some of the stuff that, that transpired afterwards, but talked about how at a level of, of me being mentally sick after that experience, not 
directly saying WWE, but let's face it, that's what he was talking about, and said that in 2005, it was one of the hardest things he had to do was leaving a place like Ring of Honor and, you know, leaving professional wrestling and going to another place that he didn't know and ended up not working out for him, talking about WWE, and it's great now, this many years later, he comes back to professional wrestling. And you heard JR kind of snicker at that comment because he's referring to sports entertainment compared to fucking pro wrestling. Let's let's face it. And, um, you know, he's going to be around a long time. And then he he called out Darby and then looked for him and found him in the rafters with Sting staring down. Uh, said that he's, you know, he thinks he's tough as shit, that he's, that he's awesome. But he's going to find out between the two of them who's the best in the world at... All out, called out the uh, the you know the uh, called him out for a match, and um, Sting at one point leaves while CM Punk's kind of going through everyone and slapping everyone's hand and just being a part of the moment afterwards, um, just claiming he's back. And you go to Darby, great camera work, and he's just smiling at the top of it before he goes. And I just I this was perfect. I thought they should wait until the end. I think I might have been wrong. Um, I don't. We'll, we'll get into the who should win between the two of them at All Out afterwards because that was definitely a question that I think wrestling fans were asking last night. But as far as a wrestler coming back, I mean, the, when Edge came back, that really got me too. Uh, but this was this was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, and I think it's one of the biggest moments in the past 10 years as far as wrestling goes because me and you and and I I think the majority of wrestling fans had signed off to the fact that we may never see CM Punk again. You know, there was always that tiny hope, but it was like a 10% chance. So for this to be happening in his hometown and in the audience reaction and the promo, he's he's always been a great promo. Definitely was a huge fucking moment in wrestling. I, I think Edge coming back, like you said, would be the probably one of the only comparables. Maybe Taker retiring, riding off on the motorcycle to Metallica. Like or DB coming back out of retirements. But this one was big. This was and this one may be bigger just because I think a lot of the CM Punk fans migrated to become AEW fans. And, and like I said, it's in his hometown and the crowd. They gave him all the energy they could possibly give him. And like you said, maybe maybe that's the reason you'd want to do this at the end of the show. Because like after this, I don't remember much about this show. Uh, and not because I had to. Me either. <laughs> this, was, this is what the show was all about. Um, I like that they try to start the show off hot. They did the same thing last week with Christian winning the title. And I... And, uh, I kind of talked about that on Twitter a little bit leading into the show is like, I think that this is probably what they're going to do. Like they're going to put this on first, which is would have been the smart thing to do because everyone would have just chanted CM Punk throughout the entire fucking night until he showed up anyway. So yeah, you're kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't with everyone knowing he was going to be there, the only way they could turn him heel now, or I think even when he came back, like to try to turn him heel is if he just no showed the Chicago show and showed up next week in some other city like that might have been <laughs> the way to turn him heel. But I mean, he's definitely a baby face. And, you know, Chicago is probably one of the best wrestling crowds in the world. man. And it, 
and like you said, you know, like he's he's more beloved in Chicago than a lot of other wrestlers in a lot of other places, and it, it shows. It really does, and a lot of that has to do with the pipe bomb and the way he won the title in his hometown of Chicago. It also has a lot to do with the fact that he's a huge Chicago sports fan. Like he fucking loves the Blackhawks. He represents Chicago really, really hard. Um, so it was good to see that love paid back, back in full. And him versus Darby, that's going to be a real fun fucking match. Well, I mean, well, that's the thing that we don't know about Punk. What is it going to look like? He's, you know, obviously he went and done MMA. Is he going to try to incorporate more of that into his wrestling? Um, Darby's obviously a high flyer. How's Punk going to react to that? Not being in the ring for a long time. But those are all questions that that will get paid off when we see the match. And that's definitely where they're going. And uh, whether Darby should win or not, I don't think it's going to hurt Darby if he takes a loss here. I think people will be super pissed if Punk loses his first match back. It's so hard. It's, it's, I don't know, man. It's like either way, because you are going to have fans that are CM Punk fans that either were with AEW because they were the alter, alternate uh, wrestling from the WWE that, that, fucked him over or whatever that perception or people coming in because CM Punk is back. That didn't really give this a a chance. So yeah, if CM Punk loses, they'll be pissed. But then you have that fan base. That's like, okay, the fucking legend comes back and beats the biggest baby face or one of the biggest baby faces up and coming in the company. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a hard, if either one of them lose, they'll get through it. People will bitch, but that one, it's like either way you go, you kind of got yourself in a corner. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a huge match either way, right? I mean, that it, it's not on the same level as Rock versus Austin, but that's kind of how that match played out as well. It's like, well, you know, no one's going to really win coming out of this. It's just the decision you have to make. And to me, it was a little bit weird that they went to Darby first. I think that's a really fun match and, and to some extent it makes sense. But like you said, it's it's gonna be a split crowd because like, you know, my nieces have started watching AEW. They don't know shit about CM Punk. <laughs> like younger audience may may not have went back and watched all of CM Punk or care about CM Punk. So it is a um it's gonna be interesting to say the least. and I feel like CM Punk has to win. Too many times have we seen big stars come back and lose their first match and then it's almost like they're tainted after that, like you, you or you don't believe that they're going to get pushed properly. And it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So, I mean, if it's me, I have CM Punk win. Um, or, you know, maybe you do your first ever fuck finish or a double knockout or something weird. But uh, with that reaction last night and how high people are about Punk, and I know Darby is one of the bigger superstars that AEW has, uh, Punk single-handedly became the biggest superstar they have. He, he overshadows that entire show. So, I mean, he has to win. I don't know, man. I just can't believe we're getting Daniel Bryan. And then someone else, and there's a good chance we'll get a couple other great fucking names, and they become part of this awesome giant circus with a one big tent and a bunch of pretty decent-sized tents around it. It's just, it's fucking crazy, man. The fact that, I'll just put it this way, and these are two random names I'm taking out. The fact that we could possibly, in the next couple months, get Kazuchika Okada versus Daniel Bryan. Or The Fiend, whatever iteration, 
versus fucking, I don't know, CM Punk. You know, it just all these Tanahashi against uh, John Moxley. Fine, sure, why not? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much more now available. If Punk says, hey, man, if, if, this, if, if, if Ring of Honor kind of gets over their shit and starts interacting and Punk and Dan O'Brien are like, hey, we want to go to this pay-per-view and face some people, oh, go for it. You know if fucking Tony's going to do it. So it's like, I don't know. To me, I hate to say this, and I know that he can bring a lot towards what he's doing over in NXT, but I kind of wish Samoa Joe would have waited around a little bit more before telling Hunter yes. Part of me kind of is is like that now. Yeah, unless Joe knows that he can't, he's not going to be able to go at that same level that he used to, which may be a possibility. If, if he wants to move in more of a transitional role and being a talent scout for the WWE is by no means a bad job, I would think. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I kind of wish he would have waited around. I mean, hell, me and you were even talking about he they should maybe do their own like I mean, you showed it could work, especially if they wanted to work with Ring of Honor. Those were the conversations we were having, what, like eight months ago yep. <laughs> or when it got released. I mean, it, it's it's interesting that, that Joe is an NXT, but you know what? He's about to be the NXT champion. And if he's the yeah. one re- recruiting the talent and he's helping book with Sean and, and Triple H, uh, maybe we'll see a change there. Who knows? I mean, they, they, they said they're going to change the entire show. Maybe that'll be for the good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. That is interesting to think about. Uh, there are so many possibilities. I guess the question is going to be who who is actually the bigger superstar because the year of Daniel Bryan was also massive. And what is the crowd going to look like for that? Or do they see Daniel Bryan as a WWE guy because he wasn't anti-authority like Punk? So I, I'm curious on what the re- i'm sure it's going to be a positive reaction i don't know that it's going to be on the same level as what cm punk got but it, it is going to be fun to see the american dragon when he shows up and i mean the match i want i want the most and i think this is probably on everyone's list is uh you know daniel bryan versus kenny omega and hopefully they do that john G- jacob jingleheimer schmidt gimmick again that'd be fucking <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Um, and, and the match I really want to see for Punk is him versus Adam Page, which I, I don't think anyone's really thinking about Adam Page right now because of the aftershock of CM Punk. But, I mean, that would be a hell of a match and something really cool to do with Adam Page. And it seems like he, he mentioned past rivalries. He definitely said that there's some scores to be settled. But his main thing, it sounds like, is wanting to work with the younger talent, very much like Christian. I'm assuming very much like how Daniel Bryan will be when he comes in and very much Matt Hardy. You know, I think all these guys, even if they're not as old as like your Jake Roberts, your Tully Blanchard, your Arn Anderson's, they know their role to whatever age they are of wanting to interact with the younger guys to help get them better. And yes, sometimes that is a loss to one of these dudes because of the fact that they've, they're big. So you can win in a loss. We've talked about that. I mean, Moose is making a career out of it right now. Uh, it just, it's, it's awesome all around. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think the only thing about Punk is you have to build someone big enough to beat him, 
or that person needs to be a super heel. So like the only person I could really see beating Punk right now on that roster is Kenny Omega, and it would be by fuckery. <laughs> um, so I mean I don't Daniel Bryan. I think that you can get away with just having a great wrestling match, and if Daniel loses at the end, it's it wouldn't shocking. But CM Punk no. being being gone as long as he has, I, people want to see him go on a fucking run, like a tear. So, it, it's how so long? Much. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I mean, I, I mean another great match that we didn't really talk about, and, and when you're talking about past rivalries, is Punk versus Jericho. Yep. Um, or Punk versus uh, John Moxley. I mean, he put over the Shield. That that was part of the uh, podcast with Cole Cabana, right? Was uh, <laughs> you got to make Roman look really strong. You, no, we, we want you to win, but you got to make Roman look really strong. <laughs> He's like, well, just have him fucking beat me. <laughs> uh, so maybe something like that, some interaction with them. I really, I mean, as far as a promo battle goes, I want Punk versus Eddie Kingston. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, also, I'm going to throw this out there. There's definitely got to be in the future CM Punk versus MJF. I mean, you're talking about two of the best promos. You're talking about MJF that can say some stuff to Punk and Punk be like, you know, oh, you're cute. Oh, okay. You, you love Roddy Roddy Piper. You're you're good at the promos. You say stuff no one can. Gotcha, kid. And like <laughs> just kind of that interaction itself. And you kind of have, and we both love him. Very different guys, but, you know, you have a little bit of young heel Roddy Roddy Piper, which MJF, that's his biggest influence, versus the more seasoned now, there's no way you can be a heel older Roddy Roddy Piper, and they're both fucking amazing on the mic. That would be a lot of fun between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, that I, that has to be something they have in their pipeline once they squash this pinnacle inner circle beef, I would assume. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the go to's. I think Adam Page versus Punk is another one that, yep. that would be good. Um, Moxley versus Punk, I think, could be good if you want to do a rematch between Punk and Jericho. I don't think the match itself would be that great, but the promos between the two should be really, really good. There's so much shit you can do with CM Punk. And, and the fact that, like, we're talking him and you forgot it, Malachi, too. That's the thing is, like. You know, for for a company that was hoarding talent <laughs> for so long, why would you give them Ma- Malachi Black and probably Adam Cole? Let's be honest, and Bray Wyatt, um, stars and Ric Flair, <laughs> Flair, that's Roddy. Stars that you did build in your development and middle with some of those. Uh, Daniel Bryan, like you let him slip through the cracks because you don't want him to go work and do different things, like. It's counterintuitive to what they were doing by just signing everyone to five-year contracts. It's it's almost embarrassing. If you're Vince and you see this reaction and realize what happened with CM Punk and, and what that relationship ended as, and then him going to court and all the other shit that's tied to that, and then seeing all these other stars built around with all of these big fantasy matches we've all kind of hoped for, it has to be you have to look at that and be like, I'm doing something wrong in my company. And, and if you're not, it maybe it's time to step away from wrestling. It's crazy, man. It's so true. I mean, pff, between all the people that they let go, 
But the fact that, you know, there's a strong possibility now that they have three hours a week besides all the stuff they do on YouTube. We already said it, you know, Brian's coming. Bray's probably coming. You got Adam Cole, that's a possibility. Pete Dunne, which can be in a different, you know, whatever is a possibility. And here's the thing, Braun Strowman, even if they don't show up on AEW, if it's at one of the other companies, there's still a good chance they're going to interact regardless. We're, st- we're telling stories through promotions. Like, this is one of the craziest times to be a fan. Yeah, some of the stuff, psychology-wise, that happens with modern wrestling does bother me. But when it comes down to what's going on, this is awesome to be a fan. Yeah, and I mean, it's very reminiscent of, like, 95-96 with WWE, or WWF at the time and WCW. Like, who's yep. going uh, what are the stories they're going to tell us? And like I said, I when when Brian and Punk shows up, this is no longer NXT versus AEW. It is literally AEW versus Monday Night Raw. I I'm, I guarantee you those ratings will probably be like 1.4, 1.5, which is going to be a hell of a lot closer to Raw. And I don't know that Karrion Cross is necessarily your answer, Vince, uh, as far as... <laughs> As far as people to try to turn that around, I guess we'll see tonight. I mean, if Brock shows up, that's gonna that's gonna change the fucking number. It always does, and that's Brock. But there was information that came out just uh, about 30 minutes ago. Meltzer confirmed that Punk will be on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. Awesome. So it doesn't sound like it's gonna be a part time thing for Punk, which is which is good. That's I mean that's the big difference is like. Brock's going to be there, what, six appearances? And No, and definitely. But you know what I love is that, remember, Edge was supposed to have the Brock Lesnar deal, and it seems like it would probably be Edge who wants to do more dates than he was actually put on his contract because he's been there a shitload lately, and it doesn't seem like – I mean, he. I guess he could take a break after if he loses to Seth, but, I mean, he's been there constantly for the last, like, what, two, three months? And that almost seems like to me that Vince probably walked in the locker room and said, we need you, pal. <laughs> you know what probably. I mean? Let's rework this deal. Let's give you some more <laughs> some more money. because They almost had him, too, man. They definitely they, they contacted him and wanted him. And Edge went back to the WWE, but Jesus Christ, this is a crazy concept. Because think about this. It was huge for Nitro. It first put them under the map, or on the map to get Hogan and Macho Man. That was humongous for him. And they had that alliance with Sting that was fun, and Luger came over, and then it was them versus the Horseman. But it didn't get to that level of popularity, obviously, until Scott Hill, Scott Hill, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash got there and created this, you know, this new concept going forward and really changed it. I feel like Jericho and Moxley were kind of the Hogan Savage type thing, but they're nowhere near the same level of popularity at that time compared to Hogan and and, and Savage. But I will say, and I love Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are bigger to the modern audience than those two were to their audience in the nineties. Um, well, until they became the NWO. True. But I'm saying before when they were building themselves, diesel and razor weren't as big as punk and Daniel Bryan. Those two were the biggest guys to make a splash in the last 10 years. I guess you could put Roman at the tail end, but since John Cena? 
I mean, I would say that CM Punk was is was the biggest star of the past 10 years. And then the fans, when he was gone, relied on Daniel Bryan became their guy. Yeah. WWE never wanted Daniel Bryan to be a top guy. Like, look at the way he was booked. He won a title and then immediately the, the idea was he was supposed to lose and to Sheamus in record time. And the fans booed that shit out of the building. Like that, that is the legacy of Daniel Bryan is WWE consistently trying to fuck him over. Like they bring him back. Right. And then they just have him get beat by everyone. I mean, I guess he had a short title run, but I mean, that was to set up Kofi. It's Daniel Bryan is kind of like a, like a, like a stray dog that everyone loves, (laughs) you know, as far as his WWE run, whereas punk, I mean, even going back to like long haired punk feuding with Jeff Hardy, he was always kind of a constant and was over in a in a different way than Daniel Bryan. So I would say if you're looking at like most over people, it, it's got to be Cena and punk. And unless you want to throw in like Japan and then you could go like Okada and Tanahashi. But yeah. as far as American wrestling, it, it's it's it goes Cena, punk and then Bryan. And then I would say maybe even Brock Lesnar could top that list at certain points because while he's not a full-time wrestler, he does always, I mean, it shows that he fucking moves the number like a lot. Oh yeah. No, Brock definitely does. He's one of the biggest attractions. I would say he's Vince's and it has been for a while, like the, the Andre concept, if you will. Um, even Taker. You know, that type of thing. Maybe even Yoko during his time of that just, here you go. Doesn't matter who you're going to put him against. He just looks incredible. Which is which is part of the reason I think that, that the Khan family should just throw fucking money at him to keep him away from Vince. Like, vast amounts of, <laughs> of money. Because Brock doesn't have any, I mean... You could say what you want. I mean, I, I'm assuming there's a relationship with him and Vince, but this is also the same guy that didn't have any loyalty to New Japan. That didn't have any loyalty to, like, held up the New Japan title and only would drop it to Kurt Angle. Like, he doesn't have loyalty to wrestling in the in that sense of being, like, a company guy. Like, when you hear about, you know, Adam Cole being a company guy. That's not fucking Brock. If you wanted to pay him enough to show up on AEW... He'd fucking be there, and that would tank whatever plans you know Vince has, unless he can get the Rock back. But uh, I don't know. It's also there's also that thing of like, yeah, but then you have Brock, and in Brock is Brock. <laughs> WWE seemingly knows how to deal with Brock a little bit better, because uh, you know, as great as it was to see him win the title in New Japan, he did hold them up like quite a bit uh, to the point where they thought they were going to have to strip the title from him and then do some kind of tournament at one point. I got a cool little news article. If you want to listen to it, apparently uh, Tessa Blanchard has been in talks with NWA and they're trying to get her to show up at the empowered show. That'd be a good get for them. Um, there, there's gotta be something still toxic around her or about working out a contract with her because I always I already thought that she would be signed by NXT or AEW at this point. Well, there was all the rumors for WWE and she was training with her friend Sasha and Bailey 
for I, I think helping them get with their match at the time. I don't know. But there was pictures of her in the gym, and she's always showing off. She's in great shape and with Daga, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Her her worst enemy in the world, uh, the one who brought up all of that stuff on Twitter, Allison Kay's over in Ring of Honor now, so I guess if she's not in the locker room, that's not that big of a deal. But doesn't Allison, hasn't Allison Kay also worked some NWA shows? No, she did. That's the weird thing about her is that she's gotten kind of had bad outings with Impact and then with NWA. And there was one other company she was working for where the same type of thing happened. Oh, she never got uh, she never got hired at AEW. So now she's in uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, which I mean, I'm I'm sure she's doing. I haven't really kept up with the Ring of Honor women's. Did they have that tournament still on? Yeah, they have a they have a tournament right now going on to be yeah. the uh, first Ring of Honor uh, women's tag team or women's champion. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't unfortunately I haven't been able to keep up with that much. But uh, I think I think she advanced. Uh, one thing that's cool I don't know if they're giving this away for the championship, but did you hear that Billy Corgan found the uh, Mildred Burke um, old school uh, championship from back I, in the day? did and that became like a sports illustrated article like a whole cover shoot with him and stuff also that zero hat he has on in that the picture with him holding that belt i need to get my hands on one of those that's a pretty dope ass hat but uh isn't it so weird that the lead singer of smashing pumpkins loves wrestling this much yeah you know if he wants some financial backing for what he's trying to do maybe he uh he should talk to rick rubin who also loves wrestling and might want to get his feet wet really should man uh, what he's doing right now, uh, good stuff. Anyways, let's finish this so we can finish the show. Um, tag team match, we already talked about it. I feel bad for the last two matches because I think that they were like, dude, if you even want 30 minutes, go for it. We'll figure out the rest of the shit. Because Kira Hogan, obviously, that the her match with, um, oh man, it's right in front of me too. And I don't really remember what the hell. Crap. Uh, Chris, I accidentally deleted the matches. Who did uh, who did uh, Kiryu? Let me get my notes up here. Uh, <laughs> like I said, and, and there's nothing against the rest of this show. It I dazed out after this, but I do have the match card here. Give me just a second. We had the CM Punk debut, and hold on. Oh shit, my computer's being laggy. Apologies out there. Uh, the tag team eliminator match was Jurassic Express, uh, which we talked about. Which was a 10-minute match. I thought that was a pretty good match. Yeah, good match. Good seeing the tag teams in the audience, watching, observing the other two. Um, and even though they tried to distract them, the Young Bucks were... they didn't. It didn't work. And Jurassic Express... I love that move where Luchasaurus just launches the person up and then it turns into a flip into a fucking powerbomb from Jungle Boy. Great finisher. Tag finisher. And yeah, they're advancing. So they'll go against whoever wins between Lucha Brothers and uh, Varsity Blondes. Yep, and we had Jade Cargill with Mark Starr. Jade Cargill. So I think those last matches, it was John Moxley versus um, Daniel. That one, Daniel Garcia, and also Jade Cargill versus Kira Hogan. I want to say I'm very happy Kira Hogan's now with AEW. I've watched her for the last several years evolve as a really good, not only in-ring wrestler, but a great babyface, and then a great heel with Tasha Steeles with their group. So she's going to be really good, and I wanted her to have more in this, 
But I think, like I said, Tony was like, if we got to turn that into a squash match and just give Jade the fucking win, and if we got to turn the last one into a squash match and let Moxley just get the win, we'll do that. Like, CM Punk, go out there, do whatever you want. The most important tag match, the most important match was the tag match, and it was short, but it was to the point, and Jungle, you know, Jungle Express got over. Yeah, the last two matches, to be fair, why we, we don't remember these, that this, the Kiara Hogan match, lasted a minute and two seconds. It, it yeah. Was- absolute squash and the video package they showed before it was actually longer than the match um it was fine i mean they put jade over as being nine and oh so she's undefeated and then kira will do well though kira hogan will do well in aw though regardless of this and they weren't trying to bury her they they did know that she's a two-time impact tag champion or knockout tag champion so they i mean they at least acknowledge that she should be a big deal in the future it's just unfortunately this needed to be a squash match and then from there we just got recaps of punk's return <laughs> pretty much and then um promos the promo between moxley and, and daniel garcia and i'm not gonna lie i completely glazed over during this and was just on twitter talking about and yep. messages about cm punk and uh stuff like that so that that into the match with moxley and, and daniel garcia which once again, was only a four-minute match and went exactly the way I thought. And then uh, you had that ending. And how do you feel about the ending? Like, all right, so it's obviously him versus Danny Garcia. He gets the win. 2.0 come in. They start wrecking house and beating the crap out of Moxley with Garcia. And then Eddie comes in to try to help. And then you had, uh, I, I believe Sting and Darby came in right after that. I kind of wish... At the end, Punk came out, but I guess he's going against Darby, so it makes sense not to have him in the same ring, you know, celebrating. But they're both baby faces, so it would have been fun if Punk came out and gave one of them the uh, go to sleep, I thought, to go off the air. Yeah, I agree. That would have, that would have definitely been the way to go. But maybe Punk is still training before he wants to get in the ring? I, I don't know. Well, did you hear what he said? Apparently, no. the only, the only re- wrestling training he's had was on set for heels. Like he's working now, but he's he was like, I'm gonna be honest, and this is probably gonna get some bad headlines. But at the media scrum, and if you're watching Tony, you can tell his reactions like, Oh shit, I wish you didn't say that. But he's like, you know, I'm I'm kind of now getting back into it now. He's like, the most I've been rolling on the mat was for heels while we recorded, but that's about it. And that and that kind of leads back to my original my original thought earlier. It's like, how much is he just gonna tie in his MMA stuff? to his in-ring style because i mean that's an easy workaround um if he just goes straight to grappling and shit as opposed to what he was doing before in, in wwe and, and ring of honor but the, uh, and even and even so like punk kind of made you know some of those mma sort of things popular i feel like in wrestling like the knee into the fucking corner and shit like that and kind of doing more knees and sh- and submissions that were MMA submissions. Yeah, like the Kimura. He, like he would do the Kimura lock and the the, the flash kicks and uh, the knees, like you said. So adding more to that repertoire yeah. uh, will be great. I, I want to see the Pepsi plunge. Let's, let's bring that shit back. Uh, that's asking a lot. Hell yeah. Actually, um, you should blow a kiss to Hunter before doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it made sense that Alan 
Darby Allen came out, hit the big coffin drop because that is the big match is him and Punk. Um, feels kind of bad if you're Kenny Omega right now is the champion. <laughs> Are we still in the mindset that Christian might be taken out before we get to that match? I I honestly don't know because it, it's incredible to me that CM like not CM Punk. It's incredible to me that Kenny Omega is still having all of these damn matches each week, knowing that. I mean, it's out there that he needs surgery, and he's still having mm. those good of matches that he's been having. So, I mean, he could drop the title. I don't know that Christian's the guy. So, I, mean, I don't even know if Christian's going to make it to there, man. I really feel like something's going to happen. He's going to be taken out, and then they're going to put Paige or maybe even Daniel Bryan in his spot or something. And, and that's a possibility. But I, he could. They could just do title versus title and Christian you know, loses um, be, because he's only defending one title at a time. So if it's, if it is Omega defending the AEW title, he could still win and it not really hurt Christian because Christian already has a win over him. Um, and you could utilize fuckery or whatever you want to do. And then Christian can still go back to impact and, and be their champion. I don't think that necessarily kills anything, but I, I you know, best case, or I don't want to say best case scenario because I do like Chris and I think he's been having good matches. Would be something like he does get taken out and he's like, and I have a replacement because I'm unable to perform or whatever. And it's it's like Adam Page or Daniel Bryan. That would that would also make a lot of sense. Yep. And if Page comes out, I expect him to go over. And if Daniel Bryan comes out, I actually, I don't know. I don't ex- I don't know if I expect him to win against Kenny. Yeah, and and I I will say the end of the show made a lot of sense with uh with Darby, like I said, hitting that big coffin drop and and then propping him up as like no look he's this guy is a legit star and he's gonna be the guy that goes against Punk but it's they're in a weird spot right now because they they've done the thing that WWE has done in the past where they have completely overshadowed their title on accident. Yep. Um. Which makes me think, you know, if, if Punk beats Darby, maybe you just go straight to, or like you said, if Daniel Bryan comes in, maybe that's what you go to that that will elevate your title back to that picture, um, where it's a main focus. I, it, I don't, I think, you know, Omega probably doesn't care, honestly, but it does suck that you're doing all of this fucking work and then you know Punk shows up, and you're just like shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> what do you guys want me to do about that? Uh, I think we all just want to get against DB and fucking Kenny in the ring. I mean, if that's not like a Sean Brett type of mixture of of, of styles, I don't know what the fuck is. But don't get me wrong, though. Don't get me wrong. After seeing their match, and I watched recently, if Adam Adam Page, Adam Cole goes over, one of the first guys I want to see him against is Daniel Bryan again. So I'll just put that out there as well. Yeah, I mean, I I love that. I think that they've had great matches. Um, but you know, we we've had matches with Brian and Omega before. But yeah, there's that, there's one with Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins, three way. Actually, pretty good. It's good, but it was before Kenny Omega became quote unquote the best bout machine. I think Kenny Omega is a much better wrestler than he was during that time period. So it would be fun to definitely see Brian versus Omega. I mean. Uh, especially if they give them time. If they give them like 30 minutes and they're like, go have a banger of a match, you can see Dave Meltzer lose his shit right now. 
trying to figure out a new start rating potentially. <laughs> well, um, if you if you add two, that's too much. So maybe one and a half, we can add to it. <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming that the training wheels are also coming off Daniel Bryan when he comes back. Which is kind of scary. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> scary, but he's. I, I'm a, I'm thinking that he's going to be doing whatever the hell he wants to do as fast and as, as possible. I hope he incorporates everything. We obviously know that he's got finished uh, or different finishers for where he's been, but I want to see him do. He's he's done the label lock, obviously cattle mutilation back when he was obviously the American Dragon, and also. A crossface, his version of the crossface. Um, he should be doing all of those, taking people out with every submission, you know, doing the running kick if he wants to. I, I want to see a overall accumulation of the growth of Daniel Bryan, but back in that American Dragon package, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that's that's for sure where he's going to go. He's he's going to be doing crazy shit. Um Maybe maybe we'll get that Young Bucks Daniel Bryan feud, <laughs> since apparently Daniel Bryan's one of the stiffest people they ever worked, which sounds fucking insane. But I want I want to work with you guys. All right, who's your partner? No 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 no. I'm gonna it's gonna be a handicap match. I'm gonna take out both of you. <laughs> um, you know we 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 talked a little bit about people like Samoa Joe. How do you think AJ Styles feels? Because he re-signed thinking. <laughs> he almost was at the first show with Callows and Anderson. <laughs> he re-signed because they told him they were going to keep his friends around and they were going to have a big story for him and all this stuff. And then they fire his two best friends and uh, he's an attack tag team <laughs> building up Omos right now. So he, he could be having five-star matches with Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryan and uh, Adam Page and all these cats. And it, it sucks because for, for the long time, AJ Styles was the great indie hope, really. He was like the one person you're like, he might be able to beat WWE. And then he had the chance to get out of there and they convinced him to stay. And it's like he, it's like, it's like he missed the, he missed the roller coaster ride. Kind of sucks. Well, here's the thing though. You know, apparently, and I think it's two more years or what, whatever he's done after this. You know, he wants to go out the same around the same time that Sean did his. And I think it was like 44, 45 or whatever. There's part of me that if someone offers him something, well, I can get that AEW championship before I retire. Might be taking another two years in. I don't think I don't think AJ is going to fucking not go to AEW, especially if they excel at, at the level they are. By the time he retires from uh, WWE. Yeah, I mean, he is like one of the last great American wrestlers that's not going to be in AEW <laughs> almost. And, I mean, with the exception of like Sammy Guevara and Kevin Owens, that they've loaded that damn roster up, man. As far as like who I would consider top tier in-ring workers. Um, it's American or Indian wise. And that's, the, I mean, here's the thing. For NBC, if you're listening to this, um, you should be very cautious. A lot of these contracts are ending in 2023, and I don't necessarily know that people like a Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn is going to resign with you. So, not to deter you from buying WWE, just giving you a heads up. There's a lot of people there that, unless that money makes sense, uh, I would think they would be one foot out the door. 
But, you know, AJ, the one thing that he did get out of that, and no one else will ever be able to say, especially if Taker comes back, he had Taker's last match. If he doesn't resign that contract, that match doesn't happen. So there's that. Oh, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. It really is. There was, for a long time, me and Chris would get on here and it would kind of be like, well, hopefully this will happen in the future. And this is pretty good about this, but holy shit. And I think the attitude has completely changed. Not the attitude era, not to be confused with that. But um, I'm just happy where things are going. And I'm excited with a smile on my face. Uh, and hopefully, tear. regardless, with a tear <laughs> in my eye, with a with one, with a tear in my eye, um, hopefully this will fucking put a little bit of, uh, you know, fireworks in WWE so Raw doesn't suck so fucking much. But uh, I can't hope for everything. But um, Chris, I think we're we're gonna take it out. Do you have any last statements, plugs, goodbyes to the lovely people that have been listening to the show? No, just thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to talk about wrestling, if you want to talk about CM Punk or any of these potential returns and dream matches, hit me uh, on Twitter at, at Chris R Patton, on Facebook at Christopher Patton, and uh, like, like I have an Instagram. It's the same as the Twitter. I, I don't use it, so don't try to contact me there. Um, yeah, if you like hockey, check out Skate's Throats. We just went over the entire draft class, free agent signings. The Devils got Dougie Hamilton. That's that's the huge news. So I had a lot of fun shitting on my co-host, who is a Flyers fan. If you're a hockey fan, you'll get that rivalry. And um, Sly on the Guys, which is uh, outside of Geek Vibes, but my friend's podcast. Check that out. I'm going to be doing – I did Rambo 1. We do movie reviews. We did Rambo – I'm the Rambo expert, I guess. So we did Rambo 1, and we're going to be doing Rambo 2. Uh, but they just did uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. <laughs> I was not on that episode, but they, they, they're basically reviewing every Sylvester Stallone movie from beginning to end. And it's a lot of fun, so check that out. And uh, that's pretty much it for me, Dane. Hey, man, you know, it's a, pretty, a lot of good ones, though, you know, it's, it's, I made a lot of them in the 80s and stuff. There's a lot of good movies and shit like that, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of bad ones. He has, like, a softcore porn. Hey, yeah, you know, bad ones. What are you talking about, man? It's fucking Israel. I definitely recommend going and, if you want to check that podcast out, go and listen to the very first episode, because one of the very first things Sylvester Stallone was in is basically a, a weird, almost... Italian or European softcore pork. So, oh, <laughs> it's uh, something to check out. You can see Sylvester Stallone's slong. Hey, my slobby, I was out of package, you know what I'm saying? Bridge News, you want to set on All right. If you guys want to listen to us on another platform, that's not the one you're listening to. Just search us, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're pretty much on all of them. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We do this show for new listeners. If I didn't mention, we record it every Saturday. We usually have it out by Sundays or Mondays. So enjoy listening to it. You guys have a great weekend. It's SummerSlam weekend. Awesome night last night between SmackDown and especially CM Punk showing up on Rampage. But we got more. We're going to be going over this next show, but we got SummerSlam tonight. Now we got NXT uh, tomorrow night. Might talk about if I get a chance to watch uh, the Pacquiao fight too. So uh, big weekend. Hope you guys 
Have a good one. Peace out. And it's clobbering time. Personality, the cult of personality, the cult of.